Hello and welcome back to the show. Today's guest, we have ex-Academy footballer and now TikTok star, George Plank. Welcome to the show. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm not bad, to be fair. It's uh, first time doing a doing a podcast and obviously when you asked, I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do my first one, I've, I've been asked to do a couple, but if I'm going to do my first one, I'll, I'll let it be, be with you. So. I feel privileged, mate. It's a, it's a privilege to have you on the show because you're a man that's done many things, but you've got quite a hell of a story and I'm sure a lot of people are going to take inspiration from you so do you want to tell us more about the academy football and how that sort of started and how you got scouted as such and tell us all the sort of good things about it because <laughs> I, growing up as a kid myself I was like I want to be a pro footballer and you had the opportunity to be on that pathway so yeah I think to be honest to start with like I've written no notes for this podcast I've come in here <laughs> you might say unprepared but I've come in and thought because of what this podcast is about it's best just for it to be raw for me yeah and, and just tell you what comes into my head about everything it's a genuine so, answer and it's going to be real absolutely exactly there's nothing there's nothing want. scripted and that is usually where i get myself into trouble so <laughs> um yeah Can't so wait. academy life uh so i got scouted at a real young age no one actually knew when well, my dad didn't know how good i was at football i used to go play out the field with my brother and i remember him the story goes my brother went back to my dad and was like do you know how good George is? And he was like, nah, nah, nah. So he, so he ended up starting, uh, sending me to a team locally. I sort of picked it up really well. And then we left that team and got into about under nines. And my dad created a team in Shrewton. And I was playing a year up at that time. And I remember at a six-a-side tournament, I got scouted. Uh, they asked me to come for a six-week trial to Swindon. And within about, I think it was three or four weeks, they signed me. Uh, and it, to be fair, nines tens elevens twelves it was it was quite easy to fair it was quite nice quite comfortable at swindon it was uh you don't really understand what's going on at that age i suppose because you're so young you just sort of you're just playing football with your mates you are playing football with your mates i think the the only added pressure is the parents know exactly what's going on the stresses you know the they will like drip feed into each kid they the parents know exactly what's going on at all points they know the severity of it and it half the time the parents are sort of living their dream through the kid I think um, that's spot on and even in today's world because this was how long ago was this now oh god well, how old am I now 28 <laughs> so it it's was, still going on now today. yeah it's still going on now so yeah like my dad was obviously very my dad was a good footballer that's how everyone sort of knew me was through my dad and then he sort of pushed me you could say and, and made me work hard and had a lot of fallings out of the field where I live and make me use my left foot all the time it's and a dad and son rivalry growing up yeah 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 so no he was he was quality to be fair my dad he was um he did push me um played a bit with my brother as well but my brother never really went into football and it turns out he knows nothing about football because he's a Newcastle fan so Ooh, controversial <laughs> get that one in there. <laughs> but yeah no if, uh, he um my dad was brilliant for me. And then it sort of got to about 13, 14. Things become a little bit more serious then. You start understanding the situation you're in and exactly what is going on and who you're representing and what the potential outcome of this actually might be. Yeah, exactly. You start getting opportunities and going places at that age and you start playing with real good players and it was sort do you want of... to name a few because you do this sometimes on your social medias <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you're on about mate uh no so yeah we we were lucky to be fair at swindon i played with louis thompson who's ended up playing all around the football league and then jordan turnbull was one of my mates when i was younger sort of like nine ten and he got signed by saints from swindon and i think it was something like allegedly ten thousand pounds uh can't confirm that can't confirm <laughs> allegedly uh at the time so so 
yeah, I played with him. And then what happened is we wanted to stay in touch. So we created a six-a-side team, which you're not actually allowed to do if you're at an academy. And in that six-a-side team, we had Jake Sinclair, who was uh, at Southampton, unbelievable player. To be fair, his brother Scott. Scott Sinclair played for Chelsea City. Uh, Swansea Celtic. City yeah, 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 yeah. yeah what a player um, streets it, won't forget him <laughs> exactly exactly. I tell you I won't forget him either because I played him pre-season for Bristol Rovers this season he absolutely tore me apart which so is I another story yeah <laughs> so I didn't forget him uh, James Ward-Prowse you know he doesn't really need any introduction he is um, England West Ham obviously Southampton legend as a Southampton fan myself he doesn't really need any introduction what a player he is very lucky to play with such a talented group of uh, lads yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's more. Dom Gape, who went to Wickham. Um, Craig Hill, who was a pro goalie at Aston Villa. The sort of list went on. Oh, I'm definitely leaving people out here. But it, it's... I was incredibly fortunate or, you know, in in the end, miss, you know, not very <laughs> fortunate to play with such a group and then be the one that sort of ended up not being the footballer out of the group. But you know what? It is what it is. I love what I do now. As so. you started sort of getting older as a kid, was there a sort of persona you had to have at school? I'm the academy footballer. Was there a sort of standard you had to meet and was there a sort of front you had to put on? So primary school, not really. I sort of just drifted by I was in a little village school there was about 80 people there everyone I was just George the footballer there was nothing uh, unique or special about there me there was no sort of label of the academy footballer that kid not in primary school in secondary school potentially I, I, I'm not sure I didn't really play school football obviously when you're the only lad in a, in an academy in that setup in the school there's, people are going to say stuff but I didn't really take any notice of it I've always tried to have thick skin or or not be too bothered by it. But of course people are going to say stuff and people are probably going to think, oh, he thinks he's better than us. And that that's never been the case, that's for sure. Was there sort of any good memories you sort of want to relive and talk about? Uh, yeah, there was good memories to be fair at Swindon. You know, some of the places I played and, and, and players I played against, we played up in a tournament against Liverpool, Man United, all those teams. I remember being really good that year I think I was about 13 14 that was probably when I was sort of at my best and playing against those teams playing away at Chelsea and beating them 3-1 and as Swindon at the time we had a very good side but Swindon shouldn't be beating teams like that and we shouldn't be outperforming teams like that they've got the selection of I don't know how many kids it's a bigger detachment area that they can sort of select from and not only that there's more funding and obviously facilities as well being the Premier League clubs that yeah, exactly. At the time, Swindon was sort of like drifting between, I think, the League One, League Two, Championship. We in those three leagues. Um, but Swindon's a, Swindon's a great club. It, it is a great club, and obviously, we'll get on to another story involving Swindon and me later on. But yeah, there was lots of good memories, and of course, you obviously you can already tell there's probably a few bad memories as well. So yeah, yeah. Just something we want to come on to now really is how did you sort of know that you were getting towards that stage, and do you want to talk more about the sort of last stages of your academy time and how that sort of come to an end so at 14 got offered a two-year uh, contract and I think it was probably three or four games into that two-year contract I was playing well and then it was I always forget they were playing in white the kit I think it was either Fulham or West Brom or someone and I took a throw in early on in the game and I just felt my back go at 14 years old I ended up getting carried off the pitch had no idea what was going on, but apparently I went white as a ghost, just was on the floor. And then I think for about 18 months, I didn't kick a ball again. 
which so, is a long time. It's a long time. And respect I, to Swindon for sort of holding on to you for that long and trying to give you the care and yeah. sort of help to try and get you fitter and stronger again. But 18 months to not touch a ball was a, a long time even for a professional footballer. It was a weird time in my life because all that, at that age, all you want to do is play sport. That's all you want to do. You just want to play. I, I wouldn't have cared where it was if I could just kick a ball against the wall in my garden, but I just couldn't do it. You know, my, my back was... It turns out that I had a, a rare spinal issue where muscle rubs away discs and it was built by me growing ridiculously quick. Um, yeah, you are a very tall lad to <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I grew late as well. You know, I'm six foot four now, so I grew very late. I was one of the smallest in my team at 13, 14. So yeah, so I didn't play until about three games to go in the end of that contract. And then you sort of have your yearly review. Obviously, the middle year I missed out because what are they going to tell me? Oh, <laughs> you're still injured. So yeah, and then I had the review. You went into Swindon Ground. You went into the uh, office and they just said we haven't seen enough of you we're gonna let you go there's no real message other than that it was just purely that and as a 15 16 year old however older was at that time your your dreams are just shattered you're just that's it done so there was no sort of we'll give you 10 games to sort of prove yourself now you're back from injury no i, I no th- th- there wasn't and i i don't want to slander swindon or anything like that it's not like that at all it's just i wish i had that opportunity you know but they've got a job to do and look, they probably got it right in a way I if would, you look at it from a sort of blank canvas is quite a severe injury as a kid what's yeah. the chances are you going to still be growing until you're 25 potentially do you, do you know what's crazy as well at one point my uh, osteopath who, who was dealing with the injury said you might not play football again so to hear that at such a young age was absolutely crazy to me I couldn't I could not understand that when football was my whole life I couldn't understand that I might not be able to play football again you couldn't fathom not being able to kick a ball again because that's literally all you've done growing up as a kid and then you're in the academy environment and when someone tells you that you're like hang on a minute this can't be real surely what she actually said is you'll never kick a ball well again in your life because <laughs> sort of since that time it's it's all gone downhill uh nah but it's yeah it, it, it was crazy and obviously I've uh, you come to terms with it in a way you think you do think about it because look, I have to watch players I played with growing up now represent England or should represent England, Mr. Southgate. But uh, you know, wholeheartedly, agree. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it, it's difficult. But you you know what? Because I've been in that situation, you know that every player that gets to that point 100% deserves it. Because guess what? They probably worked harder than me. They probably did more than me. You know, it's not. People say it's luck. Of course, it's luck. You, in, and in some way, you avoid getting injured. You earn your luck in some. Yeah, you earn your luck. Some scenarios, anyway. Hundred percent. But the, you know, the players that make it, it isn't really a coincidence that for me, they're the ones that I've seen doing the extras. They're the ones that work hard, do more. Also, the, you know, it, they have to be in a fortunate position where their parents can take them to training three times a week and matches anywhere in the country. And sometimes, you know, it is down to who you know as well. But the, the, there's many things and they've all got a line because being a footballer, for me, being in that hole from eight to 16, it's the hardest job in the world to get into. Not going into the wage, you know, with money and stuff, you know, they get paid very well. I know that. But to make it to the top level to earn that money, it is 0.0001% or whatever it is. It's crazy. And so, end of the day, football is all opinions. This is something sort of we've both understood and come to terms with, and especially in the past few years. I could think something of someone and you could think something else about them. Yeah, I, I you know, I've changed a lot. And, and that's where I think people don't 
necessarily understand me sometimes as I've changed a lot I probably immature up until quite you know a reasonably old age but when things happen to you you sort of you have a different outlook on life and you and you try and not make set the same mistakes I will continue to make mistakes because that's just me we're human beings like yeah. we're not robots we're not designed to be perfect our whole life that's for sure no exactly so look it is what it is it happened I got released I've tried to move on, but, you know, for me, it was, I'm done with football. At that point, that's what I truly believed. I'm done with football. So it sort of made you fall out of love 100%. with the game. Was 100%. there any aftercare at all? Was no. there any, we'll find you another club? Was no. there any sort of check-in after a few months to keep your tabs on you? It was just no. sort of, that's it, we're releasing you and that was that? No, nothing. Literally nothing. And that was my biggest bugbear of academies in general at that point was there was no aftercare. Don't care for me now, but make sure, and I know that, clubs are doing it better now and that's what I sort of I'm glad because there was nothing for me there was nothing at all and you know it was really difficult to understand I think I I think if you got released up by a certain year they backdated it recently you could have 10 free sessions with the I can't remember what FA it was but you could have 10 free counselling sessions and I'm sort of like eight years ago now I know I should still probably you could still take them up on the offer but it's just like I is it really worth it is, is it really worth it and yeah. to be honest I've got bigger problems in my life so yeah. <laughs> Something will come on to yeah. uh, later down the line. But sort of you said about falling out of love with the game. What was your sort of next steps? What was your next thoughts? How was life after being released from the academy? Uh, I think I tried to play probably grassroots football and pitches aren't great. You know, I ended up actually just not wanting the football. I'd been knocked that much. I remember standing out at left back or right back or wherever I was playing left mid. Where, and people opened up to pass me the ball and I'd be like, I don't want it. Like, and that for me is crazy because I was always quite a confident lad on the ball. It was almost like confidence destroying and as such. 100%. It, it, it completely took out of me, you know, and you play and suddenly you go from playing with the best of the best in that area to passing the ball to someone and not being able to get it back or, you know, it, it does knock, it knocks you for six and it, it's hard when you get left out at any age in an academy. Did it have an effect on you sort of away from football? Because I know you said like, confidence wise in football you didn't want the ball you had no confidence but away from football what effect did that have on you I think socially it always had an effect on me because you're sort of I didn't do the house party thing at that age I didn't go out and do things I shouldn't be doing because my full focus was was to play football and I guess for me then you get released and suddenly you're just George again you're not George who's at Swindon you're just George and you've now you got to 16 you're like probably should have involved myself more in those social things so yeah I, I guess it did have an effect on many things school it had an effect on as well I sort of lost motivation for a few things and didn't really have a plan B, if I'm honest. But at that time, you're chasing a dream and you have to go all in on these things because say about how small of a percentage of pro footballers make it are, you have no choice but to do that extra 10%, do that extra after training. Like you have no choice but to go all in. Yeah, 100%. you got to sacrifice. And that's the word I use so much uh, when I talk about this. And, and also with the lads and girls I coach now is is sacrifice. And that's playing at any level, really. Now you have to make sacrifices, whether it's playing local football. If you want to go travel and, and play for a team, you're going to have to sacrifice other things to be able to do that. I think it's with any sort of high standard of sport, whether it be football, cricket, whether it be running, you have to make those sacrifices that are socially frowned upon, shall we say. Yeah, 100%. And look, that that's what I did. You know what, though? I, I, I don't regret it. I, w I might change a few things if I went back to the academy, but not too many. So, you know, for me, it just wasn't meant to be. I was just about to ask you, do you have any regrets, which clearly you don't? 
No, not really. Not really. You can always do more. It's always you, that what if though yeah, in that you, situation. You, you could always do more. And I knew I could have done more. You can, but at that time in my head, I made the right decisions. And that's all I, you can I, do. I, I stand by that. So after sort of football in the academy, where did you go after that? I know you said you played grassroots football, but what was your sort of next life move? Next life move. Wow. Well, I guess I sort of had to get some sort of education. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went to college, uh, Sparshot College, where again I played football for, for them. They had a link with Saints at the time, and then um, ended up then doing that for two years. Took a year out, you know, like a gap year that wasn't a gap year. I just played a lot of Xbox and just chilled <laughs> and sort of worked when I wanted to. As any sort of teenager does. Yeah, exactly. And, and then I took a year out. And then I went to Solent University for a year playing a bit of cricket, yeah. which was random. But I did. Uh, I found out that I was half decent at cricket at the time. So, yeah, I gave that a go. But uni just wasn't for me. I don't drink alcohol. So yeah, I suppose that's I a big factor. <laughs> I ended up sort of like looking after people instead of actually going out and enjoying myself. So, yeah, I, I guess for me it was college, gap, uni, and then sort of just playing semi-pro football along that level. But never really to... I, I never really enjoyed it. Yeah, I suppose after the academy, like you say, you're still struggling with a sort of grief and loss of that love of the game that you had growing up as a kid. Yeah, I guess so, because it was almost like at points when I was young, it was it was a lose-lose for me. If I played well, it's like, well, you played for an academy for that long, you should be good. But then if I played bad, it's like, well, how the hell... Did, like, I get it doubly. Do you know what I mean? Because, because of who where I played. Like, it comes down to that persona and that standards, so that self-standards that you have to meet. And I suppose you're your own worst critic as well because of that. Yeah, hundred percent. I am a worse. I am a worse critic. I'm critic. I'm never happy with myself. Genuinely, so it's it's one of them that you you, you put out the front. You have that. You have that arrogant side. You the the, the cocksure side of you. But no, it was that's just the way I was at the, at the time. Which again, I don't regret. It it makes it difficult sometimes with people, but you have to sort of almost have that front when you're when you're that age and playing an academy and then sort of come out and you almost try and keep it up because that's what you're you're used to but then playing with blokes in semi-pro football they soon knock it out of you so it's having that sort of persona that we're going to touch on sort of later but it's interesting to sort of hear this stemming from you as a kid really having to have that persona that front that I'm George I'm the academy footballer these are the sort of standards and it's sort of a domino effect later in life which we can sort of touch on later yeah I mean I'm not I don't think I was ever one of the top 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 footballers you compare myself to like when I played with James he's just had everything was just perfect with him when he was playing and and Jordan all the players that went on they were just just what they do you just watched them you go gee how are you doing that like and don't get me wrong there was when I was younger I was very good I mean like 9 10 11 then you sort of get to an age and I I don't I've never thought I'm a top top footballer and that's probably always been my problem you know, I've never actually believed myself what I can do and what I can I can achieve. Although people say very different about me. It's having that sort of self-belief and yeah. that believing yourself attitude will get you to that next level. But you have to go and put that work in to have that belief. But I want to sort of touch on your coaching journey. How did that come about and where did that start? And let's talk about it because it's quite a lengthy journey. And there's a lot of um, roadblocks and also very high moments throughout your sort of coaching career. Yeah, so I sort of fell into coaching with a local coaching company. It was because my two nephews went there and I, I sort of wanted to give something back because I sort of had, I've had all those highs and lows in football. And at such a young age, I was like, what's the next step for me? My mum my worked with kids in schools and, 
you know, I liked helping people and I felt like coaching was the next step. It just felt natural for me. I know a lot of footballers don't want to go into coaching, but for me, it, it, it felt right that that was the next step. It just made sense. And that's also where we ended up first meeting, uh, Yeah, from I'm, what I can remember. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, it was. Yeah, so it, I, I absolutely loved it there. It was, I've not got a bad word to say about it at all. It's... I learned a completely different style of coaching to what I was used to. Ball mastery and, and skills base, and it was it was, you know, absolutely brilliant. It, it's great for those younger age. It's great for fundamental. It's great for the ball manipulation. It's, you know, it's probably why it's one of the most successful places in in this area coaching what they do. They've got you know great coaches. They've got good facilities. Whatever that they're really really good. Shout out to sort of Pezza Street Soccer as a company will name because. They helped me develop not only as a coach and sort of introduced me to the game, but it's really gave me that character building, that confidence to go and stand in front of people, talk in front of people and just go and sort of express myself as their uh, sort of philosophy as such, as you say. Um, so big shout out to those guys. They, they've done a lot for you. I know they've done a lot for me. So yeah, um, shout out to them. So the sort of what happened with Pezzas? Why did you want to go into the next stage? Yeah, so I sort of left Pezzas how many years ago now? Oh, four, I can't even tell you, to be honest. Four or five. And then I went to Southampton RTC. It's sort of very different styles of coaching. That was more, down in Southampton RTC was more what I'd been used to. It's how to play football in, in a way where it's more team-based instead of individual, which, you know, I still use stuff, the individual stuff. I still use that to this day, you know, because I think it's absolutely brilliant. So yeah, I went I went down there and I was sort of, given the under 12s down there and we it was a it was an absolute crazy first season it kind of sums up my my life in football too far. I took them over didn't know anyone we lost our first 10 in a row conceding I think about 60 and then around Christmas time I, I added one to the group and I, I decided to as a defender let's work on really hard in stopping them scoring goals pretty much can't lose games you don't see goals eh genuinely as simple as that and I, I, I literally stripped it all back and, and went through everything I could and then we sort of went on a I think it was like an 18 19 20 win run after that and it was literally the turnaround was incredible and some of it's from me you drip three bits in but the the they really bought into me the parents I've always been lucky with that that parents and the lads buy into me I don't know whether it's because I'm a young coach because I am compared to everyone I've ever coached against I am a young coach I still play and sometimes you know I've, if I have to show them what I want them to do I'll I will step in and do it so yeah I, I we had a really good sort of second part of the season we ended up getting to the south of England final and we lost I think 3-1 on penalties 3-2 on penalties which, which is a huge accomplishment from when you look at the start of the season how you're doing to then the end to get to regional final it was absolutely crazy if I'm honest the the turnaround and the story and the journey of that season was incredible and you know the the boys I've still got I think one of one or two of them in my team now when I, that's three years later four years later in, in another club so they followed me I think people sort of bought into you for that confidence that you have and that belief you have in yourself and your coaching and you know football as such and I think it's sort of how you hold yourself and I think that probably stemmed from your academy roots to then having that sort of I know how to develop players from the ball manipulation stuff to then going that next step up where you can delve back into academy football without it being academy football so you go into the team sport to then go back to what you sort of come away from as a kid don't get me wrong it 
I have made and I will make so many mistakes, just as many as the boys boys do, and even the girls that I coach now. You know, I will make just as many as them, and and uh, believe me, I, I hold my hands up, and I will always look at myself before I look at other people. And I think for me, I am someone who will always be a hundred percent honest when I coach, and maybe too honest, which has got me, you know, in in situations sometimes that people aren't used to having that honesty to them but I think that's the best way to go and that's how I would have been like to have been treated and really what what's the point in lying to people and 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 doing false promises and and, and things like that so I've always prided myself on being completely honest working on I want to work unbelievably hard to improve but really I've had no real coaching help in regards to someone who's really mentored me as a coach until I've got to my new club now at Proco it was the first time I've sort of someone's really took me and gone look why don't you try this or give that a go because before it's literally been I've taught myself you know all the team stuff I've I've nicked from here I've nicked from there I've remembered that from my from playing you know and it's for me it's always I've been a very different coach to a player so as a player, I can be a bit moany, a bit whingy, I'm so desperate to win. I, I, I play very different to how I coach. <laughs> Whereas coaching now, I, I, I have that have this where it's do as I say, not as I do. So if you come watch me play... Don't follow me. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't, maybe maybe follow if I, if I do something good. But if it's the negative side of the game, then, you, you know, it's it can be difficult. You, you don't realise sometimes how much of an impact you have on these these kids' lives. You, you, I, I really, really don't. Well, especially as a sort of young lad yourself, they probably look up to you and how you hold yourself and what you've been through and all your experiences you've had. They, well, I mean, you've been in the academy and they're going to know that and understand that and go, okay, this kid's been there. He knows what it takes to be at that level. Well, I'd, I'd like to think so now. I think half the time my under-15s now just take the mick out of me. Um, but they're they're an amazing group and I, and I truly believe they've done just as much for me this year as, as I have for them. You know, after a difficult start, had a really good second sort of part, start of the season. Um, so, yeah, it, coaching is, is very strange sometimes. It can be a very weird job. So many things can go on, but I, I absolutely love it. And it's truly what I believe I was meant to do. Because we, we can go into it. It's in a whole other episode in itself, to be honest, with coaching and all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and all the stuff that goes on on a match day and in training. It's a whole other episode. So I won't go too deep into it today. Mm-hmm. But I can see you get a thrill, like an enjoyment, a sort of passion. Like I can see in your eyes that you that love for the game is almost back. Yeah, hundred percent. It's I'm not playing at the minute, and that's that's I'm sort of filling in when I can because for me it's I get so much more enjoyment out of coaching aside at the minute, and I'm 28. I'm in my prime. I should still be playing, <laughs> but like I'm getting so much enjoyment out of working on something at training and then seeing it come off on a Saturday. There's no better feeling. That 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 there isn't. That for me it's just. I've got a really good group that that have bought into me. They're all really funny. They they all take the mick out of my TikToks. You know, they're <laughs> they're just a really really good group. And I, and I, at the minute, I can't ask for any more. It's having that relationship and trust as well from the players to you and you to them as well to really get them to the level that need to be and having that understand between the both of you. But um, not only that, it's also this turnaround story. They're the best ones where you take them over. They're not doing very well. You have a poor start and then it's that fight back, that comeback that, okay, 
this is a special group. They're listening. They're understanding. This is happening. For me, that's that's what it's about. I, I, I've, you know, the team I'm with now, Proco, Proco under 15s. We, I took them over, and we had a difficult start. I had to bring a few players in. It was, the, you know, my literally from day one. I, I was given the under 15s there, and you know, we have a d- difficult start. I could have come in and absolutely upturned everything and gone the way I wanted to go, but. I think you lose the respect of people then. So I gained the respect first by different ways of how I coach, how I speak to them, how I speak to the parents, drip feeding little bits in, showing them in sessions. And then really now I think sort of after six, five, six wins in a row and the, the winning is what it is. I, I'm someone who thinks we need to, at a certain age now, we need to be thinking about winning. We, you know, you're a year away from men's football. I, I get the whole dear idea at nines, ten, elevens. They just need to play, 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 which I absolutely agree with. That's fine. But, you know, in a year's time, these boys could be technically in the same football changing room as me and you. And, you know, at that level of football, at Wessex, Southern, Southern Prem, whatever it is, you, it's, it's all about winning. So if you're not preparing them for that, what it matters if you win or lose or draw a game, then how are they ever going to be ready in six, seven, eight, nine, ten months time? It, it For me, it's in this country, we build up failures too much. You know, coming second at the Euros, that was a failure. You know, yeah. it's... We we treated them like heroes when really I think we should have won that game. Yeah, you know, and it's our, setting that standard, that that high standard for yourselves, and not settling for second best, settling for first. Hundred percent. And obviously, there's I take massive pride out of you know if we lose a game, but, but we're playing well and we're doing the right things. Absolutely spot on. Progress. Hundred percent progress. I'm not somebody who win 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 win. It's it's not that. It's within reason all the time and I, I try and look at the bigger picture as always I'm very good with the individual I pick up on in- individual bits maybe more than other people would because that's the way I work that's the way my brain works thing is there's enjoying it which at the end of the day if you don't enjoy it why would you do it so first and foremost you have to enjoy everything you do in life but why would you not want to get better and sometimes that win loss is that difference of getting better hundred percent. And I think that applies to anything in life. Like any setback, you should be, okay, how can we learn from this? How can we get better? We need to be at that better standard. hundred, hundred percent. You know, and that's the sort of the atmosphere and the team spirit and the team where I'm trying to be build in my 15s now. And, that, and I hope they're, they, I, well, I truly believe they're buying into it. You know, it's, what am I? I'm sort of 13 years older than most of them. So I'm still, I'm a young coach and I, and I come up against coaches who are 15, 16, 17 years older than me. And, you know, they don't, I, I don't believe that the coaches like it. If I'm honest, I don't believe they like someone who films the TikToks, records, you know, the way I am. It's a new age sort of coaching. Yeah, it's a new age sort of coaching. And I, I, you know, I was saying to the boys last night, sometimes we're actually there because of my videos I make with, with the TikTok, we're actually there to be shot at. So I've actually sort of put a target on my back, Proko's back, and, you know, to, to come and beat us, to get on the camera, to 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 have that moment over us, because that's what people do, isn't it? And I'm, I'm used to that, and I absolutely, I absolutely accept that. And the boys have now accepted and bought into it. They love, they love the videos I do. Again, though, if you really put on a blank canvas, it's setting high standards and values for yourself and believing in yourself that you are who you say you are and uh, not holding yourself to anything that less accountable than what it should be. 100% and look 
if if the boys didn't like it, if they had an issue of it, I would, you know, I wouldn't do it. Because again, know? it's all about enjoying everything you do. Exactly, enjoying everything you do. I, I, I people think I, I get the tripod out just to film TikToks. I don't. You know me more than anyone. How long have I been recording sessions to to then send clips off or to look back through training sessions to Years work now. out how how I can improve people? Because that's what I do. That's what I love. So why would I why would I suddenly change now? Because it sort of feeds into my sort of next point of the futsal world, the early careers and the early stage of it um, before the sort of BT stuff comes in. Do you want to talk more about futsal? What is futsal? How you got into futsal and yeah, early parts, all the good things that happened and what you really enjoyed about futsal? You know what? Futsal is just the best. It It is, again, it's something I can't, I'm struggling to play at the minute. Um with with everything going on, I think taking a break for me right now is the best thing for me. I fell into futsal randomly again. You know, it just happened uh, with my with my first coaching job. I went along to a to a futsal training session, and within two weeks, I'm playing in the top league in England against Birmingham. And I'm like, what is going on? I had no idea. I was literally lost on that futsal court because you're like, I'm all right at football. I'll be all right. Nah, it is. It's really not. It's so tactical. It's amazing. It sort of came out of nowhere for you. You weren't expecting it. And it goes down to this whole everything happens for a reason thing again that we sort of keep alluding to. 100%. And and look, I, I got chucked in at the deep end a little bit, but it was probably the best thing for me at the time, having that, you know, that almost professional environment but it wasn't a professional sport. You know, it should be really when you're playing in the top league in any sport, it should be really, you know, professional in this country. But unfortunately, England doesn't appreciate futsal as much as the other nations do. The standard's just another level. But I yeah. suppose it's going from that academy football at such a high standard to then to something else. There's not quite the academy, but that standard's there for you, that desire's there for you to be the best and to be in those top leagues. 100%. And I, I, I absolutely loved it. So yeah, playing in the Super League with Salisbury was amazing two three seasons maybe um first season was about me adapting you know scoring a couple of goals here and when I could obviously being a uh, top pivot which is like if you put it in football terms it's a striker how did you find that transition from football to futsal hard you know really hard the first season was all just adaption it's learning the rotations learning even the way you move on a court is just different the ball bounces different obviously because it's weighted just just everything the the little bits that sometimes i actually think it's more than one year you need it is you still learn things in futsal five six seven years later i'm still i'd still learn new things now and you know i'm very open to that and it was such an amazing thing playing against some of the best players in the country you know and then playing against uh like the overseas players who comes in the, the international players that come in you're testing yourself against some of the, out of nowhere some of the best players and it's for me it was just absolutely brilliant obviously it was we i don't know if we still do but salisbury held the record for the most fans in a in a sports hall watching an fa cup game which i was lucky to score two or three in i think we think we beat pro futsal at the time and there was 450 460 people in a sports hall which, which was a mental environment which let me tell you that doesn't sound a lot right but when you put that in a sports hall and there is a roof on a sports hall in salisbury in salisbury that is absolutely crazy. It sounds like thousands, trust me. So what's your sort of best memories of futsal in those early days? You know what? <laughs> it was probably, we, we went to Sussex, right? And Sussex at the point had a couple of England players, a couple of, I think, Spanish and Portuguese players. And they were second best, second best team in England at the point. 
and sort of I knew I was struggling from the Saturday because I was still playing Saturday football as well which is a lot of yeah. physical toll on your body to play Saturday football and then Sunday futsal absolutely so no was, recovery time at all so we were playing miles away on the Saturday and then literally had to rush to Sussex to play on the Sunday um, I remember struggling with my ankle rolled my ankle on the Saturday and I couldn't really do much if I was honest but I went on in the second half at a point where I think we were 3-2 up and Luke Ballinger who who I've met later on in, as well in football he I remember him putting the ball down for a kick and I sort of went almost a little bit route one I stood as far away from him as possible get the big and, ban at the back yeah, post <laughs> and, and, he, and he's just absolutely he's, he's winged it with the outside of his right boot and the card to be fair I've used the goal a few times on my socials but the ball comes into me and, and for some reason I can feel someone on my back and I instantly thought it was the keeper so I've chested it without bouncing I've chested it thighed it around the corner and then volleyed it into the goal hell of a finish and, and, and I, I turned around the key, it's the keeper behind me so I flicked it around him and, and done that with it being the keeper so for me that was the most amazing moment you know it's live streamed you yeah, people back home are watching your friends and family and, and that was a special goal that that got goal of the month uh for the whole of futsal in england so that was that was pretty special pretty special moment and it's something that you still play today which yeah. we can sort of touch on later down the line yeah, yeah. Um, but after sosby united that sort of come come to an end what was your sort of next career move life move i think you were at saints rtc yeah coaching I was coaching at RTC then. Coached there for a couple of years. Had some really good teams there. Some Met some really amazing people. Met some, you know, had, again, the kids were absolutely brilliant. But again, that runs out. RTC folded at the end of last season. Really, really tough. And, that you know, the, the, the families I met through that were absolutely brilliant for me, you know, around the time where yeah. obviously we'll get on to. They were brilliant for me at that time. Unfortunately, you know, football works in funny ways and the club had to fold. I remember just having a phone call from Sam Scott, who was the owner of Proco, um, who are based at the same place. And, you know, when he offered me his under 15s, it was very hard to turn it down because I knew a few of their players and thought, you know what, I'd we could definitely make something with this group. So you sort of say that that moment happens in your life. You've gone from this real high of academy football to this real low. Then you start picking yourself up with a sort of developing yourself as a coach. You have this coaching journey and then the futsal kicks off. Yeah. And then obviously the futsal stops. Yeah. You're trying to build yourself back up with the football again. Yeah. That then goes under and then yeah. sort of Proco comes around. <laughs> and then do you want to talk more about what next to come? Because this was something that it felt real out of nowhere. You've just made my life sound like a roller coaster there. <laughs> it, it really, really is. And it's that thing of you don't actually appreciate what you've been through and what you do, but you're still every single day trying to get better and be better regardless of what you've been through. And that's something that's real admirable. And this is before we've even touched on the sort of real big hitting topic today. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for me is I'm very easily criticised. You know, the way I am, the way I almost show off on social media, the, the way maybe I have been some things I can be very outspoken on. I guess I am easily got at and easily criticised. But, you know, for me, the the whole... It is, it's a front you have to put on the front you have to be strong again it goes back to academy I have to almost try and put on the front I've I've never once looked at myself and gone you know what I'm a good footballer never once I, which I'm, is why I wanted to get you on this podcast because everyone thinks it's like get George on you get views you know you get likes you get all these followers it's like okay granted great however it's I want you to tell your story of who you are because I know you 
I'm one of those. <laughs> not many people know you. No, there isn't. I'm one that knows you, and you have this whole persona out in public of like, I'm the guy. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. Like, watch me do this. Watch me do that. Which, to be fair, you do do. Yeah. However, there is another side to you that's so genuine and so humble and so nice, which is what I wanted to get out on this podcast and for you to touch on. So, if you want to sort of carry on where we're leading to with this point. What bit do you want me to get to? I mean, it's obviously at that point, it, it's probably the time where sort of my life changed dramatically, to be fair. You, you know, it was it was still when I was at RTC, my mum got uh, diagnosed with with cancer. I mean, for me, it was... But this is what it comes down to, right? Put it bluntly, my family are the most important thing in my life. You know, they, without a doubt, I would swap everything to be around my family and yeah, I've probably been way too close to my mum and dad. You know, I'd rather spend time with my mum and dad than I would with a lot of other people. Um, I don't think that's a problem at all, though. Yeah, it makes things difficult when, you know, when know, obviously so, what happens. Yeah, socially and stuff. But who's to say that's a wrong thing to do? Because let's be real, they're the people that brought you into this world and for the ones that care about you the most. And they did a lot for you over the years and supported you and sort of with your safety net. And like you say earlier with academy football you had to go everywhere and you had to be transported all around the country at last second's notice so you're right that you had that close bond with your parents because you probably spent a lot of time with them so yeah mum got diagnosed with cancer um massive shock it almost instantly changed my life it it, it, it... do you think you understood what you were told at the time like did you process that or was it sort of denial at all i think i've been in denial even up to now if i'm honest but you instantly think when you heard the word cancer that it was like a life sentence and and, you know it obviously turned out a certain way but you do you know you hear that word these days and it's like oh god that's it done and you know they've done so much amazing work and a lot of people that do have that unfortunate news now and trust me it affects all of us they don't it doesn't discriminate (laughs) it's they they there is hope for for certain people you know so mum got diagnosed but she was still doing well you know still moving around still actually fine I was still sharing work with her because at that point I started helping her at her job um and then she during the actually on the day we beat Denmark in the Euros yeah she got the all clear finally from cancer she how got was the all that clear. feeling was it the uh, ring the bell moment you know it was it was, it was amazing I, I again i don't think it, it really sunk in but like yeah my mum having the all clear was just the the best feeling in the world because i've never been so scared for so long um and There's... then england won that night in the euros <laughs> we made a final so it's a double celebration um i bet you're like on cloud nine at that yeah point. that was a, a very special day a very special day um and then you sort of carry on with life, you know. You have your regu- regular checkups with, you know, she had her regular checkups, and but you still think that's like all clear. Yeah, yeah, it's well, done. She's beating it. Yeah, and then just before Christmas, not the year just gone, not the Christmas just gone, the Christmas before. Because um, I remember when yeah. you told me, I can recollect exactly when it was. Yeah, she came back in, and um, she came at home after regular checkup, and put it pretty bluntly she just went it's back it's terminal and there's nothing they can do about it it's that word terminal yeah and i sort of had n- i didn't know what to do uh you don't know what to do you, you i remember as she was still telling us i got up out my seat got my car keys and went to coaching because it was a wednesday night and 
to, like, I still to this day can't remember that journey to work. I, well, you're in such shock because it's such life-changing and life-altering news. And it's that, again, as that word terminal. Yeah. It's and that it, sort of, like you say, it's that life sentence. Yeah. And I, look, it's, it's obviously a difficult situation to talk about. It's a difficult topic. It's, it's going to be. And I I haven't openly spoke about mum. I, I haven't. It's something that I'm wary of as well because obviously I've got to remember that my family are going through it as well. And I, I don't want them to listen to this and... You know, it, it's a difficult topic. I don't want to speak for them. I don't want to speak for anyone but myself. And this is all I'm doing now is I'm speaking for myself. And, and I've got no notes. I've got nothing. Which this is coming from me. I appreciate you speaking out about this because I know a lot of people that have sort of lost a parent to cancer. And it's, yeah, it's devastating. And just by listening to you talk so openly about it, I know the impact it's going to have. And a lot of people do know you or think yeah. they know you. And yeah. For them to hear this from you is going to really change what they think about you and hopefully in the positive light, I'm sure, no doubt, but it's really going to help them and inspire them. So I really appreciate you coming and talking about this because I know it's it's the worst thing to talk about. No, it is. It is. And it's, um, like I said, it's a, it's a shock for me because I don't, I don't talk about it. The way I get through and because of what my life is on social media, I post stuff. And then I don't really acknowledge it after. I'd like to remember her. Um, and yeah, so it's sort of news was terminal and then it's just gradual then, isn't it? You she started losing her hair. Was there any hope at this point or was it just, how did you come to terms with that? What was your thought process? Because everyone handles this news differently and this situation differently. How if you can recollect it, because I mean, I'm asking you to remember something that's quite, you know, horrible. Yeah. But how did you, what was your reaction? How did you deal with it? Genuinely, it's it's a blur. The whole last 18 months has been a blur. But for me, and I did the really healthy thing of putting it to the back of my head and completely ignoring it, what was going on, was in denial, didn't speak about it, didn't open up about it, didn't talk to my mum about it. And obviously I'm being sarcastic with that being the very healthy thing. It's, it's not, it, no. you, it, I wish maybe I did speak more about it and, and try and deal with it then get a head start on it. But look, I didn't, and I can't have regrets because that's where I did it. Then. Everyone deals with it in their own way. There's no right or wrong. Like I've alluded to it before. I think there's a better way to deal with it. However, mm-hmm. people reacted news like this so differently. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's sort of, so yeah, the year went on obviously doing the chemo sessions and all these sessions where she's never actually going to get over the cancer it's just keeping it at bay again like with chemo you you don't know how long this person's gonna live for because she could have been around for another 20 25 years could have been two months two weeks no one really knows at this point as soon as they so the general rule from what i heard was if they're saying years they're guessing if they're saying short months they sort of know and it got to the point now where I remember I only went in for one doctor's appointment with her because I was annoyed of hearing things through like the third, third where, you know, I was getting yeah. that uh, a message from another message and I was then getting the news. And, you know, they would always keep stuff from me because I am the youngest and they do still, they did still treat me like a baby and they would keep little bits from me and they wouldn't always tell me the honest truth because they knew how hard this was going to hit me. Yeah, because of the relationship you had with your mum and how amazing she was for you. Yeah, and it and it, it it trust me, it did. Yeah, hit me like an absolute rock. Um, yeah, so 
sort of went on through the year. We had we went away as a family for our last holiday down to Dartmouth and Devon, like we did every year. And how was that? Because I've seen some photos and yeah, I've was, never seen a happier smile on your face. Which... It, it was amazing, but you know what? I I when you're with the people, you you really enjoy it. When you when I was by myself on that holiday, you realise what's going on. Yeah. You realise that this, as a, as a family, is going to be the last time the last time we're together. So, it, yeah, it's it, it, it was tough. And then after that holiday, mum started to, to deteriorate a little bit, but we're still moving around house, still doing work, still doing little, bit, little bits here and there, still out in the garden. You couldn't tell her how to stop. And you know what? You can't tell them to stop because as soon as you take their independence away, they might as well just give up. Yeah. But there's one thing she never did. And she never gave up. She never once complained. She never moaned at all. And I see that in you. Well, it's I hope evident. so. Sometimes I do moan and complain about... about. You know what's funny about me? I moan and complain about things that don't need to be moaned and complained yeah, about. Yeah. With actual problems, I won't moan and complain. Yeah, but with just crack on with it. petty things, I will. I'm, I can be a complete moaner. You can definitely see that you're her yeah. son. And, and it got to Christmas and obviously it was going to be difficult. I... You know, I kept saying in my head, she's not going to make Christmas. She's not going to make this. She's not going to make this. But, you know, she made Christmas. She's up on her feet helping us cook. Obviously, you could tell she was getting ill then. But she just weren't giving up. No, she wasn't giving up. She got through Christmas and then Boxing Day, that was it. She literally just deteriorated and it was it was, it was was rough after that. She, you know, she didn't leave. I don't want to say too much for my family's sort of privacy and stuff, but it was... It, it it went downhill quite quick then and I remember saying to her you know she, I used to sit with her all the time when she was in bed and I used to say you're not going to make my birthday and you know that being very selfish of me but I was worried about that I was worried about that it's such a and, big it's such a big yeah. thing to have that yeah and, I, and I, she said to me George I will wake up on your birthday and I'll say I told you so <laughs> and February 6th came along and I woke up and all I could hear from about two, three rooms away was, told you so, <laughs> genuinely. And I thought, you are literally got the craziest sense of humour. Went on, she gradually dec- decreased and it got got worse and it was absolutely horrendous. There was points where, you know, uh, uh, thank God for my sister, she helped so much and my brother and my dad and friends, you know, and it got to the point where she wasn't able to respond anymore to us and... Then it starts really sort of setting in. Yeah. And it got to sort of, I think it was March, that it was sort of like the last week. Um, And then March the 7th. It's weird because I remember my dad ringing me very calmly just to say that mum's gone. It was the first time I wasn't with her in that, in about two weeks. They say these these things happen. And they wait for sort of loved ones to not be around for them to... I, I never believed in anything like that until now because I'm like, she knew that I didn't want to be there when that happened. She knew I would have not dealt with that well. You don't deal with it well anyway, but, you know, and I, I just my dad rang me very cool and said, look, mum's gone. And I sort of just went, all right. How, just, how would you? I, I just went, all right, okay. And How would you deal with that? Like, yeah, you don't really... I don't think it really comes to term or settle in when you hear that news. No, it's it. You won't get a worse phone call. You no. won't get a worse phone call in your life. And I think for me, it was it's something that I've you know I can still hear the phone call now, and you'll sort of never forget that. 
moment. No, it, it's purely since that day, I then was obviously in a lot of shock and obviously a lot of things were going to, a lot of things have happened since that day to me, lots of highs, lots of lows and, it's you a know, hell of a roller coaster journey. It is a mad roller. This year has been absolutely crazy. But it's it's been, what was it, nine months today. Nine months the day we're recording this which since ag- my mum's passed. Which, again, we talk and allude about this, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, we didn't even know. You know, when you messaged me, can you come in next week? I was like, yeah, fine. I didn't know. I didn't even click, did nothing. And You put it on your story earlier. And yeah. I was like oh my God, I've literally got him to come record a podcast episode yeah. on the nine-month anniversary. I was like, jeez, please. I try and not look into dates too much. Obviously you do, and but it, when it hits, it hits. And, and that's the way I, you know, the way I look at it in my head is that when I post stuff, people are like, all right, we get it, your mum's dead. Do you know what I mean? No, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we get it. Your mum died. Move on. Yeah. No one cares. Like, and I can joke about that. Yeah, but well, like, we can as well, because yeah, same boat. Yeah, so. and I'm like, it's not like that. I've never once we it, it's comforting for you to do that you're literally like I don't care what anyone thinks or yeah they don't have to respo- I respond just, or yeah I, I couldn't care less and if anyone messaged me it's for me and and I absolutely love sharing memories of her and so you should and because she meant the world to you we were never when she passed I was supposed to play a game for Melksham I think an evening later maybe um and no, it was actually on the same day, weirdly enough. Yeah, it was a Tuesday. It was actually on the same day. And we were not going to put anything on social media at all about my passing because why? Everyone puts, you know, I'm someone who puts a lot on social media because that's kind of half my job. And we weren't going to put anything on. And then obviously I told Melksham and at the end of the post-match interview, he put, oh, and our best wishes go out to George who, you know, has had a horrific day and stuff like that. And, you know, a manager who I've got so much respect for and, you know, from that, I had so many messages. What's happened? What's happened? What's happened? I thought, oh. and it's the it last thing you need, yeah. Well, it's not even that, but it was almost like I then got to tell this many people that my mum's passed away today. Yeah. And I I wasn't ready I, because my brain wasn't thinking straight. And I... You go into that fight or flight mode. So I said to my dad and my family and we, 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 we made sure a post fit and I put it out on my Instagram and... You know the response you get, of course, is it, it, it is amazing, and I think that happens, and you know, and and we had to post it out and put it out and let people know because people did care at that time. You know, people do care; they want to know. They, you know, Mum was so loved; she was loved by she was known by everyone. Yeah, she was just the most people. amazing person, such a better person than me. Than me, <laughs> made the world a better place. Yeah, she did. She was just always had a smile on her face, regardless. Yeah, she did. Obviously, you met her a few times yeah. and. You know, it's, I can, the memories are starting to come back now. They they were blanked for quite a while. And like I said, I'm trying to be careful and respect privacy of my family and, and, and everything. I don't want to speak for them. No, of course but not. It, but this is your story. Yeah, it's my this story. This is your I'm, journey of healing. As yeah. Such. It's, it's always going to hurt. It does. Up. It does. No, I said I wasn't, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to come on a podcast. I'm going to get upset. I don't get upset, you know, on me. But you know what I do? <laughs> and, I, and I do, and I do get upset, and I do have really bad days, and I do cry, and I do... Some days I'm like, I ain't getting out of bed today. I ain't leaving the house today. And that's just being brutally honest, because I think happens. people need to know the brutal, honest truth. It's Because they only see what you post on social media and how happy and outgoing you are and stuff yeah. like this. And it's just like... 99% of that's fake, yeah. as in it's not real. The the, You know, obviously the posts are real, but it's not really what I'm probably feeling at that day. 
I'm just like, oh God, I need to post something. I need to post a TikTok. I need to post that because you have to, I've got to keep that going because, you know, I've got nearly 50,000 people that follow me. I sort of post a video out that, you know, I, I want to do well. And, you know, that just gives me a little thing to do that day. And it gives me a little task to do. And it's a little distraction as well for you. It is. But the harsh reality is that I had so many messages the week after mum died. I'll be there for you. I'll do this for you. Whatever you need, I'm there. I'm there and there and there. That isn't when you need people. It, it's, it's, it's not. It's like now. It's it's Six now. Six months after, nine months after, three months after. It's That's when you need people to really show up and be there for you. And you really start to see after a while who's actually there for you and who actually does give a shit. 100%. 100%. The real people will, will continue to check in on you. The real people will... We'll, we'll be there for you, you know, and it always goes on about men's mental health and, you know, you see these posts all the time and it's, you know, it, it's so true. I'm not, I'm someone who keeps quiet about mental health. I don't openly speak up about it. But I, the difference I is a lot of people will post about it, but they won't go texting their mates to see how they're doing. And it's they, like, yeah. I'd rather someone not post on social media about it and go and text 10 people because that's taking action that they'll they'll find the post they'll put it on their instagram story they'll post it which will take a minute but they haven't got 10 seconds to text their best mate just you're right today mate or something like that because guess what if someone texts me and this is where people need to learn right people will text me and go you're right you okay and i'll put yeah i'm okay if they say yeah i'm okay they're usually not <laughs> just give them a little nudge right don't just accept it and they might go again yeah i'm fine or whatever but then go check in, the, in on them again the next day because people that actually need help and the people who are proud sometimes like me like i'm too proud will go will not tell people will not would i'd rather go yeah i'm all right yeah i'm good but then i'll look after myself i'll deal with myself at home and don't get me wrong like i my problems are no bigger than anyone else's. You know, my mum died. That's my problem. Okay. So it, I completely get that. And it's something that I'm really finding hard to come to terms with. And I'm struggling with now, big time. It's you really know. starting to set in, especially yeah. around this time of year as well. Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely awful. Something you start to learn is no matter matter gifts you get and what you receive means absolutely nothing if the company isn't around you. And it's not till something like that happens where you start to realise that, I could have like 10 grand worth of presents in front of me, but I'd get rid of all that for that one person that I'd rather spend time with. I can, yeah. Everything I've achieved with TikTok, with football, with jobs, with everything, with friends, I would give up in a heartbeat. I'd never kick a football again if I could have five or 10 minutes with my mum again. I would give up absolutely everything. Because a lot of stuff you do, you can probably go, I wish my mum could see this. I wish she could be there to... Because that's the sort of your main driving factor, and that's the sort of reason that you do what you do. Yeah, I, I it is. I literally, she's the first person that comes to my mind when I come home each day. You know, I want to tell her what I've done because that's what I did. She's the first person I looked for. I just wanted to talk to her. I remember she was always there. You know, I, I remember saying to her in I think February time. I was like, "How am I going to cope with the fact that I'm going to come back one day to tell you something?" And you're not going to be there. And I I just can't, I couldn't get my head around at that point. So who, what what do I do then? Like, I can't you tell? talk to you. And people are like, oh, write it down, go to a grave, do this, do that. And it, it, 
it's just not the same. No, it's, it's not. not. It, 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 of course, it's not. But it, you know, for me, it's a it's a, it's a real struggle. And how you know how what do I do now to get through this? And I, and I I really I really don't know. But you wake up each day. You go again. You find things in the next hour to keep you busy. You you plan things in the future to try and have something to look forward to. But the last thing she would want is to see me struggling because I know out of all the kids and to take this the right way to my brother and my sister that she was more worried about how the fact I was going to deal with it because the way I deal with things, I, I just don't deal with things well, you know. See, because this is a balance we need to strike up nowadays is that like it's okay to be sad and yeah. yeah, we do need to learn to be stubborn and hold it in. However, it's that actually, let's meet in the middle. Like, let's be sad, let's be upset, but we still got to go again each day and I find with grief and everything it's always going to hurt there's no doubt about that but that pain is always going to be there five years ten years fifty years it's always going to be there however you learn ways to distract yourself for longer and you find ways to be more at peace with what's happened because then you start to allude to the everything happens for a reason you start to find more purpose in yourself and greater things start to happen off the back of it and like I said to you earlier, like you refuse to quit. You don't realise it, but you carry on regardless of the setback, which after your mum is unfortunately died, passed away, you ran a marathon. Yeah. Just how long after was that? It was a week after her funeral. So the weekend after her funeral. A week uh, after her funeral. Yeah. You go and run a marathon, 26.2 miles. No training. Just no ran training, a marathon, 26.2 miles. It. Yeah. It how? was... How did you complete that? What was going through your head? It's the Honestly, I kind of forgot I signed up to it around the time my mum died. And then I was like, you know what? There's no better way to complete this now. There is, I have everything that's going to get me through this marathon. You know, I did not train at all. Nothing. I just ran the 26.2 miles. Which just goes to show, yes, okay, we do need to train for stuff like this to make it easier and like less toll on our body. However, if you've got that mentality and that mental driving force behind you, you can literally do anything that you want to put your mind to. Yeah, 100%. I was literally like, I'm completing this. I don't care if... And it wasn't an easy 26.2 miles by any stretch, was it? <laughs> no, I was in Southampton and, and it's horrendous because it's lapped. It's, so, is it quite hilly? Or? Yeah, it's so hilly, mate. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely You awful. literally picked the worst marathon. Oh, God. Everyone said that. But Southampton's like, I feel like Southampton's my city. Sure, I support home. Southampton. Yeah. So many friends down there. It's where I coach. You know, and and it just felt right. It's a special place to you. It felt, and the fact yeah. it was a week after your mum's funeral as well, it, it told you something that you needed to go and do this. 100%. It, it, it felt right. And yeah, so it's two lots of 13 point, was it 13.3? 13.1. Yeah, 13.1 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. then. And um, yeah, you get to, I'm going to be completely honest, I did 17 miles absolutely fine. I was feeling fine at 17 mile point. <laughs> and I was what like, happened? yeah, do this. Then I took on... <laughs> Then I took on two energy gels at one of the stop points, just grabbed them and put them on out. But I wasn't used to them because I've been taking another, I think I was taking like SIS maybe, I can't remember. Yeah. And um, I ended up like just quickly taking two. I need some energy. I need to eat something. Yeah, you got to get something back yeah. in your body. You've just ran 17 miles. And I sort of like, you go through St. Mary's. So like amazing for me. I went through the football ground on the second time. I started feeling sick through St. Mary's. I was like, George, do not throw up in this football stadium. <laughs> so anyway, I got through and I got through the football stadium, got about 
maybe half a mile up the road and I sort of I was like yeah I'm gonna be sick here and I, I just threw up literally I apologize to whoever lives in Southampton I'm not gonna say where it is but I threw up in someone's garden <laughs> oh yeah I threw up in someone's garden you know what? it gave me a second win because after that I felt absolutely fine so then I got to the 21 mile mark did you hit that wall Oh, I didn't get hit by a wall. I feel like I got hit by a bus, a wall, a, an elephant, <laughs> anything that could have hit me. How bad hit is me. that? Honestly, feeling? right? It's if if I got hit by a bus at that point, I would not have complained. It was <laughs> honestly there was we the twenty one to the twenty six mile is the hardest thing I've ever done. I was running, but I felt pain in places I didn't know pain could exist. And I was sort of, a, just as we got before the 26 mile, I was overtaking people and I was overtaking people who were screaming whilst they're running in pain <laughs> and crying. I'm like, I turned to my mate Scott, who I did it with, who when I said I was doing it for mum and everything, he he trained luckily and he did it with me and he's such an amazing person for doing it. I turned to him and I'm like, why are we doing this? Like, <laughs> why are people doing this? People do this for fun. Yeah, and I'm like, likewise. And I, yeah, and I, and I got to the... The, the easiest bit of the whole run was the point two at the end because I came down and saw all the people watching and all the people cheering on. That, that adrenaline kicks in. Yeah, the adrenaline kicks the in. And I, and I could just see the finish line. I went, oh my God, if I don't like do anything ridiculous now, I've actually just completed a marathon. And What got, through you, that, through, what got you through that brick wall? Mum. Genuinely, yeah. mum, I, I I kept saying to Scott, and he wasn't talking back at this point. I kept saying like, if mum can go through chemo, I can go through this. And I kept saying, if you know, if she could go through this pain, I can go through this. That's ten times worse than what I'm going through now. Man, what, what a mentality to have, by and, the way. And I just thought, was, I sort of was like, if I don't play football again, if I don't do anything, I'm completing this marathon. There's no way in hell I was going to give up. There was no chance. There was there was literally no chance. Because once you've seen your loved one fight for their life for you. There's quite nothing that hits different. Nah, it was, it was, it honestly, it was. But what a mentality to have a week after your mum's passed. Uh, sorry, a week after your mum's just been buried. Yeah. To go and run 26.2 miles with no training. It kind of sums me up, to be fair, a bit odd. But yeah, it's. it's... <laughs> what a mentality, though, because that takes something special and that you go to a different place and you yeah. it just go to show you you've got that inner drive and that inner desire to you can quite literally get through anything you really want to. And I think it's really powerful when you unlock that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's been, it was something that I was like, I need to achieve this. And I got to the point too, and I could see my friends uh, and, and and family. And to be fair, my dad, my dad had been drinking in Southampton all day. So I saw at random points just shouting abuse at me, <laughs> which to be fair, I'm more used to. Yeah. Shout abuse at me, it would make me go far, faster. <laughs> so, so, and you know what I loved before? Everyone was like, you ain't going to do it. You ain't going to complete it. I was like, go on, keep saying it. Yeah, I love it. Me. Like, go yeah, on, yeah. I dare you. And I was like, I was like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna do it. I can't wait. And I, I completed it, and I just hit the finish line, and I'm like, literally full like to my knees. I'm like, oh my god, like I was in so much pain, and I could not walk. Honestly, watching me walk back to the car was just comical. Because you say about that last point two miles where the adrenaline kicks yeah. in, you don't feel anything, do you? You don't feel anything. You're at like, all. I'm on cloud nine. This is the best <laughs> feeling ever. Then that adrenaline wears off, and then that's when you go. Oh, I am in pain. Yeah, I'm, in, uh, I'm in the trenches. The, the 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 finish line where you can finally stop, and it's almost like 
I literally tried to stop too quick at the finish line. So I hit the finish line and stopped on it. And like literally, and you just see there's a video of me just like going down. And I just, I was in bits, just absolute bits. But, you know, it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done other than the week before reading out a speech at my mum's funeral. Like, so probably for me, the two hardest things I've done have happened one weekend and then the next weekend reading a speech was, was meant I did it in my own style with the odd badly timed joke. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I did that. And then obviously, um, we, we, we spoke about honor in the past sort of uh, past two episodes, myself and Mike, and for you to read at your mum's funeral, like it's a massive honor to you and your mum. Like, yeah massive respect to you for doing that because not a lot of people do at loved ones funerals and it takes a certain special person to give that amazing person that's died the best send off that they deserve so massive respect to you my friend yeah i mean it was it was something that straight away i wanted to do and i i don't know why because no one would have expected me to do it out of everyone was there any doubt in the back of your head about whether or not you were going to read that funeral mm. People put doubt in my head. People were like, what if you freeze? What if you can't do it? And I was just like, I'm doing it. I'm I'm doing it. Because I carried the coffin in as well. You did? Carried the that? coffin in. Um, nervous <laughs> at all? Yeah, a little bit nervous. But tell you what was fun is the, the vicar was late. <laughs> so in a typical plank style, we made a joke about it. Yeah. So we're by the coffin and we're having a laugh about the vicar being late. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so they went in and I picked the coffin up and that, when you touch it and you have contact, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. You know, you don't understand. So I was, you know, you, you you literally don't understand in your head why it's weird, but it is. Yeah, like, no, I, I completely understand where you're coming yeah, from because I've done the same. It, 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 I, I couldn't, I thought I was just like, yeah, I'm carrying it. It's fine, get on with it. But what I ended up doing was close my eyes. Really? Close my eyes, looking down at the floor. So when I got in the, I had no idea how many people were in the church. No idea. I obviously saw a couple of people walk in. I said hello to a few people. And then you sort of, I carried her in and I remember putting her down and sort of looking at the floor until I got into my seat. And obviously I'm on the first row. Very lucky mum got me front row seats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, mum got me front row tickets. Um, so yeah, I didn't have to walk very far. Appreciate that mum, thank you. Um, shout out. Yeah, shout out. Um so yeah, not sure she's listening. <laughs> so yeah, she probably is. Thing is, we can joke about yeah, this. Yeah, we can joke about it. That's what I mean. I told you. Said, we've spoken about it before, and it's like you can't joke with someone that's not been in that situation. Yeah, Whereas for us too, it's like yeah, this is just brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, we started all the singing and the bits you do at the funeral. The I haven't, luckily enough, I haven't been to many, so don't exactly know what was going to happen. Even though I sort of you know, you get told what happens and blah, blah. But to be honest, it was going in one ear and out the other. I was just like, this is going to be the hardest day of my life. You're in a state of shock at this point, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. So I sat down and then nephew decided to go before me. My 12-year-old nephew decided to read a poem, right? And he is does it absolutely unbelievable and uh, unbelievably, you know. And it was everyone's like, standard. oh, it's 12-year-old, yeah, 12 amazing, year old. unbelievable, <laughs> set the standard early. And it, yeah, and it was just absolutely unreal. And he, he got through it all apart from the last sentence when he then he broke down. And I was just like, I remember then it was, and now George is doing his How do you lead after that? Uh, I, was, I just sort of said, oh, how do you, like, in my head, I'm like, how do you follow that? Like, uh, what am I supposed <laughs> to do now? And But luckily... Like the response I had about my speech, I made everyone laugh, then cry, then laugh, then cry, 
and then crying and I cried. So it was, it was, it, it was incredible. I, it sounds I, like you gave her the best possible send off that you could have done. Yeah, if if there is a, a a way to give someone you absolutely love a, a good send off, then you, it sounds like you did that. And yeah. again, like such an honourable thing to you to for you to do for you to carry your mum's coffin in, and then for you to not only talk but you add a comical aspect to your speech as well. Because at the end of the day, we need to celebrate the amazing person that Jan was. And for anyone that, that dies and passes away, that we need to, at these funerals, celebrate the amazing people that they are and who we've lost and all the good memories we had of them. Yeah, I think in this country, it's like we very much mourn and we're very much upset with, with death. Whereas in, in in other countries, it's all more of a celebration. Yeah. And it's they celebrate their lives. It's how it should be, really. And, you know, for me, it was... I just couldn't get over how many people were in the church and how many people knew my mum and... When I finally looked up, when I got up to that stage, put my paper down, I looked up and it was full behind me. I turned around, there was people behind me in the top bit and I'm like, right, here you go. And I started off with a joke that wasn't in the script at all. Uh, you know, I told, I showed a couple of people my script, you know, read it out a little bit. Um, and then I just remember my dad going, a lot of that wasn't even what you read it to me last night. And it wasn't because at the time I felt, if I felt myself getting emotional, my go-to was take the mick out of my dad or take the mick out of my brother or take the mick out of someone that we could get away with. Humor is the best way yeah. to deal with things like this. And, 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 and that's what I did. And it sort of went really well. I, mean, I made a few jokes about Southampton you know, because at the time, so I'm to get rid of it, it was rubbish. But it was perfect because it was the way me, my dad and mum were when we lived at home just by us and then could add little bits in from Tor and Joe and and whatever, who are my brother and sister. Um, so, yeah, it was, the speech was taken very well, even though it's absolutely heartbreaking. There's nothing quite like it. No, but again, it's that's giving them the best send off possible. And from the sounds of it, mate, you did an amazing job. Yeah. It's well. I, I, I hope. I hope I did, and she wouldn't have been expecting it. I. I managed to get through it. You take a breath a few times, and I managed to get through it until near the end, where it was the realization kicks in, doesn't it? You know what? It was. I don't mind saying the line, and it was, "Mum, I never told you enough, and I'll never be able to tell you again, but I love you." And it was that line that I couldn't. And I, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't get it out. I could not get that out because I was looking at the coffin next to me and I could not get it out. And I kept going and I'd like, taken a breath and going. Yeah. I was like, God, George, come on, man. Just Mate, it sent shivers down my spine when you said that. And I could feel that emotion of you saying that line. Yeah, I, 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 I don't mind reading the speech again. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. because it was what I felt at the time. I literally just wrote it in a couple of days. I, I changed bits. I added bits. I took bits out. I... You know, I wanted it to be as as from me and mum. I wanted it to be me and mum, not necessarily my yeah. sister and brother and my mum or dad. I, I I took the look out of them and said bits about them during it. But I wanted me and my mum had a very funny relationship, as in we would have a badly timed joke, or she'd be telling me off a lot, or there'd be, you know, she was very strict on me, and then she also knew that I was probably the most emotional out of the three kids, you know, anger, upset, happy. I go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. That's pretty much me i tried to sum up our relationship perfect and you know what's mad and i need this is what i'm going to say to everyone right now is i'm talking about her now and i still think she's here 
as in I still think she's lying, like I'm going to go home and see her. And for anyone that's going through it or hasn't gone through it yet, that sounds absolutely crazy. But in my head then, and this is what's weird, but in my head then, I actually thought I was going to go home and see her and tell her about this podcast. (laughs) And, And I can laugh about it, but that is incredibly sad to feel but genuinely, that's what just went through my head. I thought I'd tell people them, and it's and it's crazy because it just goes to show the relationship you have with your mum that you would go and tell her every yeah. little accomplishment you've done. Do it, you ever, it's mental. Do you ever find yourself talking to her? Do you ever feel that she's there with you? Nah, not at that. Not stage right yet. now. I'm not no. at that stage. I like you say you're probably hitting that stage now slowly, and yeah. that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, that's why I'm worried. But I'm, I'm just trying to be honest. I haven't hit that stage yet. I. I think sometimes she messes with me if things go wrong because yeah. she's got that sense of humour. I, I, I go up to the grave, but I don't necessarily feel a lot there. I, I, you know, I don't... We all feel things differently in these yeah, situations. Yeah, absolutely. So there is no right no or wrong like a, way. You sh- why are you not feeling that? You should be feeling that because I feel that. It's, it's all situational. I'm telling people my experience. My experience will be different to yours. Your experience will be different to someone else's. I remember someone asking me, would I have good advice to someone who had lost someone now? And if I'm 100% honest with you, the answer is no. I would not be able to give. I could give you what I've done, but it's probably not right. The thing is, though, to that person that asked you, that might not be right for them. Yeah. However, someone listening, they might resonate with exactly how you're feeling. Yeah. And they will know that, oh, I'm not the only one going through this. Yeah. And that's comforting. It is just the worst feeling. It sound like a broken record, but it's just the worst feeling losing her. It it, it really is. You you can add all the the breakups with the girlfriends. You can add all the bad memories of football. You can times that by ten. And for me, losing my mum, that which, was yeah, it was that was a moment that changed your life. Yeah, it changed my life and changed my outlook on everything. I think in gives you in, a new perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, and I just felt things change in my head and the importance of things and and falling out of love with things again that's what's happened I fell out of love with playing football because I just I'm gonna be completely honest I have no motivation at the minute just just no motivation the thing is you're going through this whole journey and it's it's a long journey yeah I've been on the journey for like 16 months now and it's yeah it's very long, but it's you know one where you really discover yourself and learn about yourself. Hundred percent. You know what? It's funny. Everyone always says to me, "I'm ten years down the line, and I still cry about my mum." I'm like, "Oh, why have you said that? <laughs> You're not helping." No, I was like, "Oh shit, come on, give me come a break." On. Like, yeah. So it's it's tough. But every day's tough. And you, I had an amazing bit of advice from my friend Katie, who is just one of the best people ever, and she said. Don't look at tomorrow, you know, don't look in a week's time, don't look in the future because that's all too scary. It was too scary for me. Just look at the next hour and break it down. What am I doing for the next hour? And even if it's something stupid, like I'm going to make a cup of tea and I'm going to drink it. Hey, it's even things like brushing your teeth yeah. and putting deodorant Because on. believe it or not, those some things, getting up, getting a haircut, which for me, it's you a little know, wins. it's a self-care. You know how much I care about my hair, right? Yeah. I'm wearing a hat because Always. I hadn't had my hair cut. In I don't know how many months. It is so long. I'm someone who who used to have a haircut every week, without a doubt. Every week used to do all these things to make sure I looked presentable. And then since mum's gone, it's they're the hardest things to do to get out of the house, to to go and do basic things. Walk the dog is about the only thing I, I, I do. Obviously, I 
the only bit of enjoyment I get at the minute is 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 coaching, and that is keeping me going. That is giving me an aim and a drive and a, and a goal. And I'm trying to pick up things. I'm like, do I need to start playing football again? Do I need to start? Maybe, maybe that needs to come next. And the thing is, like, you're feeling now your worst moment in this journey, and yet you're still trying to carry on, and you're still trying to do things, which is such an um, admirable thing to be doing because. I'm just looking at my list of things you've done since your mum's died and it's just incredible. It's insane. You know what's mad is that we haven't actually got to that point and yeah. th- like this year's been the mo- and we've just only spoken about my mum dying and this year's been absolutely mental for me. Like yeah. we haven't spoke about what's happened up and this is what I try and tell people. This year's been almost these amazing things I've done this year and the opportunities I've been given and everything that's happened is all the good minute moments have have probably been the most difficult moments because I have that high and then I remember and I'll get to it like 30 minutes later after that high I'm like can't tell mum I can't go and tell mum and I just want to FaceTime her or it sets yeah, in doesn't it like, and I'm just like I can't tell mum that's your so, driving force so all those suddenly all those high moments that you wait for and crave for you're like I can't tell mum and don't get me wrong I tell my dad and my dad is literally the other best person in the world yeah. you got your mum and then my dad and he's just amazing and i'm very very lucky and it's been difficult and people say families get closer after some things like that i'm very very lucky that we've got a close family but i have struggled to talk to them because my sister was absolutely incredible she was during during it all and i know she's very picky on what i do and what i say and she says that oh, some things aren't good for you you need to make better decisions and stuff like that but she only means the best because she wants the best and don't get me wrong she's always right she's always right with things she said to me and in in decisions i've made and she doesn't like certain things i do and but she just wants the best but i find it hard this is the most i've ever spoke about mum and I don't know if this will be good for me after or if it's going to make it worse. The thing is, it will start your journey, which is the moment that yeah. we all need. We just don't want to start that because that's when the realisation kicks in. I think for me, I'm just bored of this. You know, I have so many people come up to me and I remember people saying that they look at me and they look at the social media and just arrogant. That's the first thing people say. And I'm just like, you don't even know. Like, it's funny. Like, I'm actually not. It's This is why I wanted to give you the platform to yeah. talk because everyone needs to know exactly who you are. You know, and not just yeah. this persona on the TikTok, on the Instagram, because it's not you. Yeah, no. You, you can be like that. <laughs> Everyone because on, you choose yeah. to. However, it's not deep down the true George Blank. Everyone on TikTok, the, this app that I do my stuff on, <laughs> has got an act. We're all acting. It's literally all acting. It's a role you're playing, isn't I've it? I've tried to pull away from it. And with the coaching videos I do now, I can promise you every time I post a coaching video, nothing I do on there is an act. That is 100% Yourself, me. Yourself, yeah. 100% me. Obviously, I'm acting with the new series I'm doing. With like, There's a bit of acting in that. You know, with um, I've done some filming recently with another massive TikToker who's got millions of followers. I've, I do acting in that, but when I'm, it's more my content about coaching. It's purely me and and solely me. So yeah, there is an act to it. The messages and comments I get the most are people calling me arrogant, and it's like <laughs> it goes back to like day one where you just have to have that front wall up. It's to protect yourself. Yeah. It, it's cool. Whatever. It's amazing how it's gone full circle from the yeah. academy to now. But it's like funny. things you've done since your mum's died, like you went back to futsal. How's that been with Southampton Athletic? You know and... what? It's been hard. I haven't played the last couple of games. I've, 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 I needed a little bit of a break. Like yeah. everything's sort of come to this point now where I'm like, my motivation. I was 
getting frustrated. You're I was, not at a point where you need to work on yourself and focus on 100%. yourself and just do what you need, regardless of anyone else. I wanted to get back into futsal. And I liked... Southampton had been messaging me on Instagram. He slid into the DMs. <laughs> and um, they contacted me and said, look, we like you. You know, contact. I didn't think anything of it. So I was like, you know what? I'll come down training. Give it a go. I went down training. <laughs> They're all Portuguese. <laughs> like every single one is Portuguese. Coach didn't speak any English. So all I picked up on, I, I had a really good first session. You know, they they wanted me. And I, I, I remember just signing and... When I played my first friendly and the coach couldn't speak any English. So it's it's purely he's doing the team talk in Portuguese and I can literally pick out the bits where he says George and that is it. So it was like I'd have Let's get the tactics board yeah. out and just follow the cursor. Yeah, yeah. So it's like so I'd hear so I'd have George said so by the end the one of the lads, uh Andre Canedo, who's I've been close with in the team and he would come over and translate and nice. save it. So he'd be like, all right, that's what's going to happen from here. That's what's going to happen from here. And, you know, it's... Uh, it really took off, didn't it? Yeah, it, it really took off. And then we got another coach in who sort of a few games into the season. And then I started playing from then. I, I missed a few games of injury and my season started then. And I've sort of really sort of hit the ground running. I think I scored on average about three a game. And it got to the business end of the season and we... We won the league. But that doesn't necessarily mean you go up because that's the way futsal works in this country. So, um, and then we got to the cup final against Bolton, uh, the league cup final. We won nine five nine six, yeah. and I scored five. So that you've was done amazing. The double, you've done the double so far. Yeah, done the double. Not so a bad first did, return did of that, away. Yeah, averaging about three a game, three goals a game, and then just um, to top off a double where you've had the best off, season of your life. Yeah, top it off. We then got to the playoff final. So we beat LDN, LDN in the semi final. If you don't know them, they're on YouTube. They're a massive YouTube futsal team. Uh, Jamie LDN beat them, and that was recorded on YouTube. Beat them nine seven. I scored three in that game maybe so yeah and then we got to the playoff final which as soon as we finished that semi-final it was the following sunday and uh got to the playoff final and we were like it's at st george's park which if you don't know where st george's park it's where the england football team are based they have the futsal court there it used to be where the england futsal team were based but the fa decided to pull the funding on that and then um yeah no another comment story on that. <laughs> yeah another story so yeah so we got to the final got to the playoff final and and then i was looking on um looking on Twitter and they're like, it's going to be on BT Sport. I'm like, what? So the so our final, that following Sunday, was against Bolton again, who we just beat 9-5, but we knew it wasn't going to be the same no. Bolton team. We knew they were going to come back stronger. They knew, I knew I wasn't going to have the same game I just had then, because it's impossible. I'm not going to score five goals again, because they'll defend differently. They'll, yeah. they'll limit gonna balls into game. me. It's going to be a tough also, game. It's a playoff final. It's so. a playoff final when, where anything can happen. And, and we both knew in the back of our minds that, that that was the important game. I mean, it's also on BT yeah. Sport as well. Like, what a moment to have. 100%. So, if I'm honest, I, I'd play... I'm lucky enough that I played in the top league, so my nerves weren't too bad, and I'm used to, with TikTok and stuff, and playing in those charity matches, I'm used to having cameras put in my face. Yeah. So, I'm not, I'm not too worried, but for me, it was it was massive. Like, in yeah. my head, it was... I built it up to be... I need to get Southampton into a league where we can actually play proper futsal. It meant everything to you. And, it, and it meant everything. Especially and on your, like, journey and your path as well. Journey, like, it's, this is it's all, almost like a close of a chapter This in is some all sense. two, three months after mum's gone. All yeah. of this is two, three months. Which probably doesn't even feel real to you no, at this moment. It, it doesn't feel real. And I remember the game started. It was a half-nine kickoff, by the way, in the morning. Half-nine kickoff. Ooh. Bolton against Southampton in Derby, by the way. <laughs> So we stayed up in Derby on the Saturday night, woke up at seven, half six, got the coach to St. George's Park, 
you know the cameras are on there's people in the crowd and I'm gonna ask I didn't I didn't have a great game I did well I did well I did all the basics well I kept the ball but they limited me they, they just didn't give me shots there was nothing I couldn't find a way they defended very well credit you're, to you're like this is my moment yeah you're this, taking my, yeah, this, this is my how, moment you're taking how it dare like, you? what are you doing like relax how, how and, dare you? no but too fair to when they took the leads they were two one up they were three two up and it got a bit tense and you know, it got to a point where I'm a very grumpy person if I don't score a goal in futsal. Oh, yeah. And got to a point and we're sort of four all with about a minute to go. And I'm back on the court and I'm stressed like now. This is like, this is like the ball's going everywhere. They're shouting from everywhere. The crowd, the Portuguese crowd with the flags. And everything's everything. a bit overwhelming. And everything's a bit overwhelming. The ball's going so quick. And I remember just a transition happening. We... They lost the ball on the far side. And again, I've used this clip a few times. We've lost the ball on the far side. And, and what I'm, one thing I will give myself credit for is I'm always at the second post. So second post is the back post in futsal where, where in futsal you should be really aiming for the back post because if you miss, someone's there to tap in. And I just went, they won the ball on the far side. And I just went, I bombed it to the back post and signal where I wanted it to. And this uh, Luis, who sort of struck it with his left foot through the player's legs and I see it coming to me and the countdown timer is to my <laughs> right and I know there's like 30 seconds left. This is it. And I'm like, George, just get good contact on this ball. Just needs something. It just it? needs something. And it went in the back of the net and I just remember every emotion, like every emotion and it's, yeah, 5-4 up. I think it was 5-4. Yeah, 5-4. It was 6-5, five, 5-4, five, something like that and it, and it was just, I remember just celebrating and weirdly enough, there's someone I filmed TikToks with who, who got on really well with in the crowd. And th their school, so there's 40 like school kids in the crowd and they all knew me through TikTok. So I've gone over and celebrated. And for some reason, because they're all Portuguese, I've done the Sue. So all you can hear on the commentary, which is the Ronaldo celebration, all you can hear on the commentary is all the kids in the background shout <laughs> Sue. And it was just the, it was the maddest moment, moment for me. But then the problem is in futsal, there's still 25 seconds to go. Yeah, that's a and, long and time. That's a well, long time yeah. futsal because you can score a couple of goals in that time. Yeah. And I remember we lost the ball stupidly on transition. And I thought, you're having it. There's 10 seconds to go. They're breaking <laughs> and they're 3v2. And I've come steaming across the court just to absolutely smash one of their players <laughs> and giving away a free kick. We we cleared the free kick and and then that buzzer goes. What a moment. And on BT Sport, you know, I can remember the commentary of my goal off by heart. I can remember the moments <laughs> after. And you know what's weird is they did the celebrations, the team, and they all went and did more celebrations. They went yeah. over in the corner and they'd had photos and that. And I just went straight back in the change room. I was yeah. by myself in the change room. I faced Tom and mates who watched on TV, Tom and both Toms, and, you know, had that moment with them and they were buzzing really nice. Um, and then sort of spoke to my to my family but there was it was straight away in my head it was I was about to say it's still that thing of you wanted to FaceTime your mum yeah so like the best one of the best moments in sport is instantly then taken away because it's like your mum's not there to see yeah. that happen and I'm not saying this would be the same for everyone else this is what like it felt for me yeah of course it was straight away I was like guide like guide because again it goes down to that it's not necessarily what you've done as such it's who you're sharing that moment with yeah and then I the boys come back in the change room I, I had to perform a song that I'd written, which is like a, a play on a play on a Liverpool song. How was it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a singer, mate. Like, I'm not a singer. <laughs> I'm not doing it now either. Don't, don't you dare. So like, yeah, no, that was that was amazing. That that video has never been shared on social media, I don't think, and it won't ever be. Um, I'll, find, I'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you it. Um, so yeah, it was, that moment was amazing. Then the drive home, I was very quiet. Four hours. 
I was very quiet with with the lads. They were all obviously buzzing. Everyone, oh, I saw you on BT Sport. I did that. I saw you on this. Saw you on this. Saw you on this. And I suppose it's a real bittersweet moment for you in this sense. Yeah, because you've had such a high, but again, it goes down to that share in that moment. So you're like, do I celebrate? Don't I celebrate? Yeah, want to celebrate, but I'm like, don't think I can. Yeah, it's it's weird because I'm gonna be honest. For for a while, you feel whenever you smile or laugh after you lose someone, you feel guilty. Yeah, it's like, why am I enjoying myself when they're not here? I feel guilty for enjoying myself. Yeah, and that's what it feels like every day. Like I feel guilty for like if I have a laugh with a mate. I feel guilty for because you having a laugh not joke. here for another day. Exactly. It's like I say to everyone. It's like every day is a blessing, and they're like, all right, mate. You know, we've heard this many times. It's like. But when that, you literally have an opportunity today. You've woken up. Yeah. Like we take that for granted sometimes. 100%. 100%. Like I, I don't look at things as amazing as you do. And that's fact. You you look at things but very I'm more. I'm a lot later down the, yeah, the line than you are. As I such. mean, in general, we sort of look at life in a, in a different way. You do. You look at things amazingly. You're optimistic. You do so many amazing things. We're very, very different in that aspect. My life is very much on TikTok and but, social media. But and, you look at all the accomplishments you've done. You don't quite, again, it goes down to the, you don't give yourself credit. No, I don't look at any of this and think. Wow. You ran a marathon a week after your mum's just been buried. You then go and do the, the treble and score the winning goal on BT Sport. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> we haven't even got to the main point, which everyone is like, that's all we want to hear about. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I get a lot of stick about this as well. So like how, TikTok. How, how did this start? Because <sighs> your class is a TikTok personality, TikTok star. <laughs> Yeah, TikTok I mean, obviously, famous. I'm not as I'm not as big as anyone else, but people make it out like I am because I got so much abuse wherever I go play football. I, I also think it's because the area we're from is such a small yeah. place. And it's then... mad, mate. It's mad. Like, the, I was playing for a team this season, Shruton, and, and like every team they count every team we play against, they can't wait to say something about TikTok, and it kind of helps in that league that I can that I, I've scored like 13 and 10 from left back. So like, <laughs> so like they can give me what I want then give me what abuse I want and like again it goes like, down to that persona doesn't it yeah and it's sort of like I don't really find it as abuse you know what I mean like you can say what you want like say what you want but it's like you know who I am so yeah. it's, <laughs> it is what it is but yeah TikTok started during actually during lockdown randomly and I, I was just posting tricks for the kids to copy and I've always created videos you know that like I've created videos before something you've always been good at and something you, yeah. you've enjoyed more yeah. than anything. And I never ever wanted anything to come from this. Genuinely, I never thought this was a possibility of all these things I've done. Like yeah. it's actually mad. When I deep everything I've done and the people I've met, that is mad. And what I've got to come next year, some of it I can say, some of it I can't say, that's mad as well. But like the opportunities, crazy. So yeah, I I actually ran with I remember so during lockdown. Obviously, like everyone else around my age and younger, I was playing a lot of Warzone. Yeah. And I was dead. So <laughs> my mate was playing and I was like, you know what? Why that you just play? It, I'm going to make this video. I made this video, right, about that team I spoke about, all those players, yeah. where we were when we played that team and then yeah. where we are now and yeah, sort yeah. of spun it to take the mick out of me a little bit. Yeah. I posted it. Cool. But playing next game, phone goes off. I'm like, whatever. Phone kept going off. Yeah chill like i'm trying to play a game here. and i looked at it and it got nine thousand views within like 15 minutes like what's going on here then i left it and i woke up and it was on one million views 
And I was then I had like nine thousand followers. I bet you were like from like fifty followers. Yeah, I bet you were like, how has this happened? Then? Yeah, has this happened? And then the comments. Then you actually read the comments. It's like, so you're a failure. You're this. You're just getting hate. You're so you're the failure. Look at you. I bet your dad paid for you to be that team. I was like, well, actually, my dad was the manager. But like, do, do many of these people come and say these things to you in public, or is it all? Nah, it's all over social media, isn't it? Yeah, it's over social media. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure people now will say it to my face. <laughs> They're like, okay, say what you want, lads and girls, if you want to take the mick. But it, you know, it is what it is people I, I i'm glad that i'm just not cringe and do the dances on tiktok not yeah. that you know if that's your thing do your thing you 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 know it's all personal you do your things eh? he has your personal preference but i i'm a little bit older so i have to be a bit more mature in the things i do although i do still do a bit of acting and stuff like that it's what makes you you yeah know. so post that video and then it didn't stop it just kept getting bigger and bigger and then it was like 1.5 million 2 million 2.5 million, 3 million. Suddenly I've got 25,000 followers. Then people are asking me to do videos. And then I'm doing lives and 3,000 people are watching me on live. And then I'm like, what is going on here? Like, why do people... And this then, just started from you literally yeah, making a video that you just wanted mad. to do for a bit literally, of fun. Literally, it was a 45 second video that took me hardly any time to edit. It was just like, I had the clips already. I was like, I'm going to post this. it's not this. like you posted it thinking, I'm going to absolutely blow up. This is going to be my nope. thing. This is my side hustle. It was just joke for the for the, for the the kids and the parents to see. Because it was literally just the kids and the parents of who I coach followed me. That was it. It's also lockdown as well. Yeah. Give them something to smile about. 100%. And that's what I did. And and I was like, then I started posting more videos. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see what happens. So I started posting like tricks and free kick stuff. They were doing all right. Then I do a bit of speaking videos. Did all right. Kept improving. Views kept coming in. Uh, did some match highlights. That video got 2.1 mil. When when did it sort of settle in? And when did it start sort when, of taking off? I know you had that first video which took off and sort of yeah. started it all. But when did you realise going, okay. When, when, I re- when I got invited to play in the first charity match at Eastbourne, it's a uh, simple Simon and Cal the Dragons charity <laughs> match, right? And uh, that's when it sort of, it was like, like mad, like, people in the crowd actually know who I am and I'm like I'm not even big like I'm not even a big I, and I'll never say I am I'm but you look I, at other people they've got like millions of followers yeah, and yeah. stuff and but I guess it's maybe because I'm a little bit more real and a bit more down to earth and which like, is again why I wanted to get you on air to yeah, show that real side because I like, think that's why people will resonate with you a lot better like all these people what people need to understand about TikTokers is that they all blew up during lockdown right so we're, we're all on our phones then you come out of lockdown and you've been speaking to your phone for two years and people are socially awkward. People didn't know how to have conversations with people. And this, this was unfortunately the, what happened after lockdown was people yeah. forgot that social aspect. And yeah. So that game happens. And obviously if people don't remember that game, that is the game where a fan ran onto the pitch whilst I had the ball, I might add and punched Cal the dragon from behind. And Ed Matthews was there. And then the right, like literally the fans going nuts on the pitch. There was bottles on the pitch. It was, it was a madness. I was like, what am I doing in this all, world? Which for all the wrong reasons probably gave yeah. you a lot more attention. I, 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 literally that night, I, the next day I was on the For You page in clips everywhere. Just Imagine like if that never happened, like you might not be here. Uh, and it was like stuff you what do. am I doing there like why am I in this video not this behaviour by the nah, way nah, 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 nah. however please do not run on a pitch charity yeah. match it's so jarring do it's not do it well. it's, it's like these charity matches people spend so much time and effort in I've got a few coming up I've got some amazing ones that I've been a part of and just 
just don't do it. It's also but, for charity. Don't yeah, ruin it. Like, think of the bigger picture. Like, and also, like, we ain't going to think you're cool for doing it. And the, the big TikTokers aren't going to think you're cool. And they ain't going to go, oh, yeah, let's have loads of pictures. Yeah, it ain't going to happen. Like, we'd much rather, you know, and... Have a photo after the game. Yeah. So, yeah, that happens. And I was just like, then I got invited. And it's actually turned out to be suddenly one of my best mates is Grosey, Jamie Groves, who does... Gosh, Great Ormond Street Hospital. He does the game goals for Gosh. Yeah. And he is the most incredible person I've met. He is someone who puts everyone ahead of himself. He literally has, I think they've raised now 130 grand for Great Ormond Street Hospital in three or four events. That's crazy numbers. And I, I got invited to play in the TikTok tournament at Selhurst Park. Selhurst Park is Crystal Palace ground. And and I played in it and it was amazing. It's also that Premier League stadium and then yeah. it goes back to the Academy football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm like, suddenly I'm playing at, at, at Sowers Park and I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. And this is like, like my childhood dream and again. And I'm, I'm watching the, the, so we played in the TikTok bit, the TikTok tournament, and there's an afternoon game where it's actual celebrities. So like, I say actual, like Love Island, you've got ex-pro footballers. Um, actually, in the first year, Russell Martin was in it, who is now... I absolutely love Russell Martin. He's the Southampton manager, by the way. Absolutely legend. <laughs> 11 unbeaten. So he played in the first one. You've got Anton Ferdinand. You've got all these people, ex-pros, Love Island, TV, Tamar San. And I'm like, wow, what an event to be a part of. I'm at this event. So yeah, that was the first year. You almost can't believe it, can you? So then, after that, I then got invited to play in Content Ballers, which was at Leighton Orient's ground. Another football league ground. Yeah, you're like, mate, this is a way for me to live my and dream about being the, yeah. the pro. So then I played in that match and I've watched a series, right? Bunch of amateurs on YouTube. If you don't know what Bunch of Amateurs is, they follow Dorkin Wanderers. If you don't know who Dorkin Wanderers, Wanderers is, you'll know who Mark White is. Mate, it is jokes. Um, Mark White. I was watching them from day one. I walk in the change room at Content Ballers and there's GoPros up. And then I meet this bloke. And because he doesn't show his face in the videos, you're like, ah, who's this? He starts talking to me. And I went, I know who you are. You're the bloke who does the voiceovers for a bunch of amateurs. I absolutely love you. He's like, what? Like At that time, they hadn't blown up as much as they had now. Yeah. He's like, I really appreciate that. Then the two managers, Barks and Mike, walk in. So who do the, the, the other side of a bunch of amateurs? I'm like, this is surreal. And like, obviously, I've had a all right, career in football, like, and all these people are freestylers, TikTokers, actual people that, you know, are there because they've got big followers. Whereas so you can play a bit. I can play a bit, a little bit. <laughs> and so I played the game and I put us one nil up. And I was literally like, it was live on TikTok. It was live stream on TikTok. Millions of views, right? Millions and millions of views. I remember just coming back to my phone after the game and they give me man of the match. I scored my penalty in the penalty shootout. We won unbelievable scenes. It's, I, I, it's on I'm, YouTube. It's everywhere. Because obviously I'm going to be quite biased towards you, but from these games, you still, sort of <laughs> seem to be the standout player. Um, coach Kane as well. Yeah. Co like coach you, you Kane. Yeah. You seem to be the two standouts and there's one commentator um, that always seems no to way. shout you out and yeah. absolutely loves you to pieces. It, you know what, Coach Kane, it feels weird because it feels like there's a random rivalry between me and Coach Kane that people have built outright, but there is literally nothing there like I'll I'll, be, uh, you'll be part of TikTok boxing or like YouTube yeah, boxing nah, soon nah, 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 nah. <laughs> no, don't say that let's not start let's not get the click like, like, look Coach Kane if you want it though nah <laughs> joking nah, nah. Um, so yeah so played that that was all over YouTube got man of the match I went back to my phone like my TikTok comments you're a man of the match best player on the pitch like you're amazing blah blah and then it goes from there 
And then I'm getting invited to these other charity matches. I'm meeting all these people. And then suddenly you're, you're meeting people. You're like, I've watched you on YouTube for years. I'm, and then I got invited back. So then this goes on to this year, right? Where I've played other charity matches and it's been amazing. And the first, my favorite ever one, right? I got, I was asked to be a captain at the TikTok tournament. So I was part of this year. Yeah. So I picked a team, Josh Peters, who uh, films, he was filmed with the Sidemen. He's got like 2 million on yeah, YouTube. Yeah. He, like, it's Casper Lee's work, does bits with Casper Lee. Uh, Adrian Markovic, who's in the dark vlogs, who's got about six or seven million followers. I, I messaged all these people that are playing for me. Angry Ginger was originally supposed to be my goalie, but then he injured his hand. Yeah. So like all these people that I got in my team, right? So, so yeah. you already thought like you're at this level. We go, I'm with quite a lot of like yeah. famous people. That's mad because I look at myself and I, I you know, what's I always go to these people and I'm like, I don't know why I'm invited. Like I actually don't like, because I haven't <laughs> got that many followers. Compared to you. Like, they're like, you trust me. Everyone there has gone, you deserve to be here. Yeah. Like people, the amount of people who say they love my coaching videos, like the big people that watch them and don't necessarily talk about them, but they, they will, they will tell me and they'll tell me bits of it. So yeah, so anyway, I've done that. And me and Grovesy, by the way, who who we speak every day, he's amazing, right? I can't speak highly enough of this bloke. Like what he does for everyone and the things, it's just crazy. He's someone who does marathons, skydives, these football games, all for charity, great on the street. And like, he's just a legend. Um, so yeah, so that's done. I'm sitting in the crowd again. So like I'm sitting in, like I'm taking, mate, it's mad, right? I'm going down the side and I'm sign I've signed like 200 things. I'm like... It is crazy how you don't know, but I'm on the front of the program because I'm a TikTok captain. You're basically you're I'm basically like, living your dream of a, like, a kid again. And this isn't me being arrogant, but suddenly I'm like, I'm signing autographs, and, and there's like fifty to hundred people asking for photos. I bet it don't. I bet it feels surreal at this point. I'm like, What's going on here then? It like, feel real. So yes, yeah, so now I'm sitting down, and I just see Grozy waving at me because obviously I want to watch the main game. Later. I'm yeah. saying for the main game, I might as well. It's the first part. Of the it's like. Luca Bish is in it, young Philly, Santan Dave. By the way, Santan Dave, who is been on my phone, like he, he is unbelievable. Like he, couple unbelievable. Of, couple of ballers in there as yeah, well, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Some of them big can G, actually play. Like Big G, the goalie, like all these people, Peter Andre was there. <laughs> like, what is going on? <laughs> like, all these and I'm leaving people out. Like Leanne Sanderson, who's won the Champions League as a women's footballer, she was there. She was our captain. I've ruined the next bit. But so yeah, so they waves at me and goes, look. I want you to be part of this main game. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you and Ian Holloway are going to manage our team. <laughs> what a man Ian Holloway is, by the way. And I swear what is he like? What is he? <laughs> is, is what you Absolute. see on TV exactly the same in person? He is mad. As <laughs> he is crazy. I used to love watching but him on TV. I love him. He made that day so special for me because you know what's funny as well is you've got all these celebrities a star barber who goes around the world by the way he's eden hazard's personal hairdresser he does like he goes around all kind of professional footballers hair yeah got all these people all these personalities in my team right luca bish who who still stays in contact with me to this day who is what two million followers on instagram doesn't need to talk to me by the way but like still keeps in contact young philly like all these people right who, who you see as like suddenly, mega stars I'm managing, right? And you're like, how's this happened then? Yeah. So we get in there, get in the change room and I'm sat there and they're all turning up and I'm sat getting changed into my coach and stuff. And I sat down and suddenly this bag falls to my left <laughs> and I look to my left and it's Dave. And I don't <laughs> get starstruck much, right? Because I'm lucky enough to met and worked with a lot of people. Yeah. But it's Santan Dave. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I look to my right and young Philly's come in. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, what is going on? And I'm just like, what do you say? Hello, Mr. Dave. Like, what do you even yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. So I just like, yeah, just play this cool, George, just play this cool. Play I was like, all right, cool. mate, I'm, 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 I'm managing today with Ian, like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, safe. Okay, cool. I was like, Whew. like, done. I'm Job cool. done. <laughs> yeah, done, done. So yeah, I was like, that's mad. Philly, right? Nice. One of the nicest people ever. Yeah. Like, he, he is exactly the same off camera as he yeah. is on. Just if you make genuine. him laugh, everyone in the world can hear it yeah. and i remember making it like he's like cracking up i'm like this i thought that laugh was just for youtube that's literally him it's not for an act just whatever a, people just say an amazing person yeah he is an amazing person and none of these people right needed to talk to me all these people when you look at it from a, like a numbers point of view where point. you've come but from a lot of them came introduced themselves a lot of them are good people and and they all gave me a time of day again this sort of sums up the sort of tiktok stardom as such everyone thinks that they're this huge persona that's you can't have a conversation with them. They're yeah. arrogant. They're full of themselves. But Actually, you peel it back. Don't get me wrong. There are some TikTokers like that, but I'm not going to name names. But the actual, <laughs> the, the you'd say the more closer celebrity term, I'm using that lightly because I don't like the word celebrity yeah. with, with anyone. But when but you look at, again, when you look at the numbers, like Luke Bishop, yeah. two, two mil, young Philly, massive. Like yeah. these people, uh, you know, Dave, He's, yeah. how many streams has he got on Spotify do you know what I mean like yeah, his yeah. headlines Glastonbury and stuff like that he's massive yeah so you know they didn't they didn't need to talk to me and they and they did so anyway Ian Holloway sets out and he goes right George you're reading out the names put them in a start 11 so he goes I'm going to do it like Sky Sports so he's got them stood up in the formation we're playing so I'm going yeah, alright Big G in goal Luca Bish at left back <laughs> Young Philly you're playing on the left Santan Dave on the right A-star Barber Wayne Routledge you're up front with Jay Boffroy and I'm like what is going on it here it seems then? like a really weird football manager I, sketch I know. Yeah. it's like honestly right I was like my life is like what has happened like when people say what has happened like with TikTok stuff, I can't describe it right Imagine saying those words I just didn't imagine, put people in. Imagine us having this conversation like five years ago, uh, saying that I'd you'd be doing this for these up, people. Yeah. I'd have told you to shut up like that. It's a madness. So, yeah, I'm putting that out there. Then then Holloway goes, he does starts doing his little talk, which is I've still got it on my phone, I'll show you after this. It's mad, like what he's saying and doing. Like he's crazy, like the way he's talking to him. Because like he doesn't care who no. Dave is, by the way. He just <laughs> thinks his name is uh, he just goes, Dave. Just goes, Dave, talks yeah, about yeah. He goes, You've just turned up late. Who do you think you are? <laughs> and like the groves, he's got his head in his hands. Like, don't make him leave. Like, we need him here. He's like, like fine yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so yeah, we we get out on the pitch. There's a massive crowd there. The other team have obviously got all celebrities in them. Yeah. Tama Hassan's their manager. If you don't know who Tama Hassan is, he's Football Factory. I believe like films like that, hooligan yeah. films. Absolute legend. Like unbelievable actor as well. And so yeah, he. <laughs> so suddenly he's the manager on the other team and I'm like I'm stood in the dugout right with cameras pointing at me next to Ian Holloway and next as to well. Ian Holloway by the way the photos I've got of me and Ian are, are like mad it's it's, it's unreal chalk right? and cheese and it's like I'm stood there and suddenly like I can feel all these cameras on me like big like cameras just facing you and I'm like what is going on so like yeah so then did you ever get like an imposter syndrome where you're like all the time still to this day all the really? time yeah all the time yeah every day like, you I'm don't like, feel like you've earned that in nope, the slightest never 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 I will say it to, every time I go I'm like I'm only invited because I'm the only one who wants to play centre back like literally <laughs> the only one they're like no you're not you deserve to be here the centre back with all the skills yeah and it's yeah yeah true but like dang it, a lot of stuff I do in these charity matches are for content yeah like I don't try hard um, but yeah, so then that charity match, I got through that and Ian's like, you're making all the subs. 
So now I'm the one having to bring young Philly off. I'm the one having to bring Jay Boffroyd off. Imagine trying to bring Jay Boffroyd off, by the way. He's played Premier League football. Wayne Routledge. And I'm bringing them off the pitch. You're like, yeah, can you come off now? Like, It's a mad... Leanne Sanderson, Farrah Williams. Yeah. By the way, like, ain't Lioness. Yeah. Like, what's Pedi- going on Pedigree. Here? Yeah, and I'm like, I'm the coach. Like, what is you're, going you're on? You're bossing them about. Yeah, it's like... I'm warming up these people. And so, part. And so yeah, that was just amazing. Like, there's this amazing photo of Dave receiving the Man of the Match trophy at the end. And I'm behind him in the picture. And it's just the most amazing picture. We're all staring at him. And it's like it's like my Twitter background picture. Because I'm like... Don't feel real. This is not real. So then anyway, that one's done. And then suddenly that's boosted my profile. Yeah. And then I'm getting invited to like... Then you just start... I got invited to more. So then I was playing, I played in the JTEX Cup, which was Portugal versus Argentina. That was, Expressions was commentator. Expressions is the Tottenham fan, the one who talks like this blood does that. So he's (laughs) that one. So he's literally unreal. Like he's unreal. And he was like, the commentary he did of me, like I played well that game again, thankfully. Like it was just unreal. They're all memories. And that was a late in Orient's ground as well. So like, again, a a, a big ground. Yeah loads of fans there more people know me now like this is mad like and they are on their kids they love it they they literally just want a picture they don't really care like, like the football and have, what's yeah. going on yeah and then i got invited for again i play for goals for gosh so we go around playing against charities like as the, for gosh and i played yeah. for them and we played sands which is i believe it's for like baby loss yeah, like yeah. But, bereaved parents and uh, which is again absolutely horrendous and some of the stories i had on that day and meeting people on that day is absolutely horrendous but it puts it know, into perspective even though yeah. you've been through something traumatic yourself it 100%. again puts into perspective again for them people so yes yeah, so then i'm playing with again in my team i'm actually playing with these people now and we're playing against yeah groves he gives me a message and he goes by the way you're playing against matt letizier and sandro on <laughs> as a Sunday. saints fan you're like um excuse I'm me like, so I'm playing against Matt Letizier and Sandro, who, by the way, was a Premier League footballer about four years ago. And he could still as, play now. He was hard as nails back in the day as well, and, wasn't he? And do you know what's mad? So at one point, I find myself... <laughs> but no, I was playing fullback, but obviously, it, we would call it the inverted fullback. But I actually just wanted to go stand in centre mid. So I looked around in centre <laughs> mid, right? And to my right is Matt Letizier, and to my left is Sandro. And I'm like what's happened here then like how am i how am i in that situation again that feels so surreal for you because the academy side of where you come from so i was like like, that was surreal i have pictures of them i had had that day you know had had that moment more photos more you know you get you just sort of get people know you obviously there's people there 50 times bigger than me who you know i don't care if i go to these events and no one knows where i am i don't care i'm still getting the opportunity i'm still having my name out there you're just grateful aren't you for the opportunities you're getting and I was on the poster next to Matt Letizier. Don't like, get much bigger than that, is it? And I'm like, what the... So then, yeah, the big... You, you know what, though? And the, I did the kickabout for cancer one, right? And this one was hard because they made this quite a big deal, right? Yeah, of course. They made... I had to wear a different shirt in the warm-up to everyone, a pink shirt, and it was basically because I lost mum. Yeah. And I just really wanted to play well that game. It was... Angry Ginge played in that one. Danny Aaron's, who are yeah. big on YouTube, and you know I'm on Danny Aaron's YouTube channel, his vlog for that day, and you know I'm meeting these people. Who, by the way, are massive at this point. Yeah. And this game was crazy for me, right? So originally I, I got an underarm of the same colour as my kit, and I wrote on it for you, Mum. Yeah. Underneath, because I like, there's that iconic photo yeah. you've got. Yes, yeah, so there's there's that photo where 
you know, I just wanted to score. So the game didn't start off great, right? So they had a few more footballers, that not footballers, but people who could play football, a yeah. little bit more than people who could play football on our team. So me and Angry Ginger centre half, doing all right, but we got no one to keep the ball. So then I went further forward and I started, I got us back into the game. It was like four, we were four, three up. Yeah. And I scored the fourth, take it around a few players and put it in the bottom corner. And I'm like, where's the camera? Like, obviously... You George wanna... wants to know where the camera is. Yeah, shock. So I'm running to the camera and I'm trying to get my shirt off. I can't get it off because I'm sweating so much. <laughs> so it tight. was like the hottest day. Yeah. So like I, I just lift it up and it's that. Uh, it's like for me, it's just that picture. I'm playing in a cancer charity match. They've made a big deal out of my minute silence before. They've, you know, they've they've actually spoke about mum in the, in the build up to like it. Fair play to them for that. They, yeah. They didn't have to do that. And I, as such. I, and... Do you know what's mad is I'm on banners. There's a hundred banners before the week leading up to the game around Birmingham. They put up with my face on it and four other TikTokers. I'm like, what is going yeah. on here? Like, what has happened to my life? What a fitting tribute. So yeah, so there's a photo on my moment. Instagram of me lifting my shirt up with a smile and my stupid hairband in and going for you, mum. And then the game finishes. We lost, uh, and they they got mad in the match, even though we lost, which was nice. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a really nice one. And then probably the one where I felt. Less of an imposter syndrome, even yeah. though there's mass people there, but there's the last one I did, which was yeah. in Wrexham. And I went up there and there were some big, big people playing, YouTubers, Morgs, who's massive on YouTube. You got Angry Ginger was massive by then. He he missed yeah. the Sidemen 10-year party to come to that game. Oh, wow. You know, got all these people. And then, like, I played really well again. Um, and then I remember I, I, I've got some friends up north and they came and watched. I tried to see them after the game. I was going up to them. I couldn't get to them because people were trying to stop me for a photo and autograph and sign. So I'm trying to get to my friends. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, like George, George, George. Like, literally, I'm going down the tunnel and even my friends couldn't believe it, right? Because they're like, they get the TikTok thing. But like, these people are like, George, 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 can I have a photo? Can I have this? Can I have seeing, show? Can they're seeing it in person now, aren't yeah. they? And I'm like, what the? This is mad. So anyway, then I finally get up. While all the other people celebrate, I'm sat up in the stands in between all the fans while they're speaking to the like these two families that I've met and 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 friends that that I've met on you know who are just I've become really close with and then every like five seconds someone's tapped me on the shoulder to have a photo <laughs> and then I turn to one of my mates and gone yeah in a minute they're gonna ask for something ridiculous like they're gonna ask for a shirt then it's gonna get more it's gonna be a hairband like, then it's gonna be something even more ridiculous yeah. right and they did so it was like George can have a shirt I was like I've already promised this to someone then it's like. George can have a hairband. I pulled it off. It's like dripping with sweat. Oh, I was like, nice. lad, Come do you on. really want this? What are, the like, yeah. what are the boots? Please. I gave away boots before, right? Don't do that again. <laughs> so like, yeah, so I gave a hairband and then these lads come up and they're like, George, can I, what have you got? Uh, please, please, please can I have a picture. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, He's like, we love your hair. Can we have to be hair? What? <laughs> and I'm like, I actually took the mic like 10 seconds before to mate. So I bet someone else. And they're like, no, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But, uh, you're so good. Well played, well played. I was like, what is going on with my life? Like yeah, it, it's the, the thing is, like this would be insane and crazy to just a you know a person that hasn't been through what you've been through. But when you this has all happened after you've had literally the worst moment of your life, yeah. that then takes it tenfold. Hundred percent. It's all those moments, and like, I've probably sounded excited talking about those moments. I've missed bits out this match that I played in, but that I have played that I spoke about. Like, but all those moments, I give up. Like, so have mum back for that one moment with your mum. Yeah. But the most amazing things are is that we're making a difference with Great Ormondsbury Hospital make, raising that money and any little bit I can help, you know, in in turning up to these events, sharing stuff, being a part of the day, and 
you know, you make it build an awareness for it. And, you know, if that's what makes it worth it is the charities. See, this is what I was alluding to earlier with a purpose. Yeah. Like, so such, such a bad and negative thing happens to you. And yeah. now you're doing all this such incredible charity work. And so my thought, yeah, now is I won't say no to any opportunity with, with TikTok. I, I, I say yes. And unless it's a brand deal, then I will be very picky now because I've made some ridiculous decisions with that. Uh, but we'll get onto that. So yeah, like I will say yes to every opportunity and, and especially if Grozy messages me and say, look, we've got a game in Newcastle. I'm You're going there. The thing is, he gave you that opportunity yeah, to start he, with. He's, yeah, I can't say enough positive words about him. He's given me so many opportunities, like even to a, a black tie event the other day where I'm just sat with celebrities on a table and I'm, having photos with like love island people and like people know who i am and my face is on the main screen like i win an award with young philly and i'm like well, what is going on here like so yeah so so for me the charity is what drives me in that any little bit i can do and help with i, I will because i just think it's such an amazing thing to do to and care about other people and that will give you such inner peace and will help you heal hopefully on your journey going forward and you know what even if it doesn't like you're still making a positive difference I'm still making a positive difference to someone if i can't help myself i can help other people and 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 that's what's you know and and like i speak to these tiktokers and we spoke about it and like some of them won't necessarily stop for a kid like angry ginge right it was it was massive that day he would not leave the place until he went and took a photo with, or a video with absolutely everyone and you make that kid's day you make that kid's week, month, yeah, whatever year. it is, and for like angry just do that. That like, that's the level that I don't think some of these young lads and young girls who are on social media know how much pull they have, and that how much these TikToks actually like help people, or they watch it and they enjoy stuff. And you know, I I've been watching YouTubers now for 10, 11 years. Side man, I've watched them for so long. Like, I'm not even afraid to say it. Like. Uh, those guys are unreal like I like and you think of the content they put out and I, I like struggle to do basic content i like got a film today got to get this done i'm like oh, it's not going that's not in the right way the camera the lighting's rubbish i'm like you know what i'll just do this instead you know uh, and it's just like it's, i have so much respect for for these content creators now and people don't see it as a real job and it, don't get me wrong it's like it's a different world now yeah. the world is on socials like Take the this is this is today's world and yeah like the, you can take the mick out of us you can do what you want you t take the mick out of me is absolutely fine but i don't do tiktok to go oh look at me i'm a tiktoker it yeah. absolutely could you, not care you don't less. do it for the fame like no. so this is why i wanted to get you on the podcast the, not only the, to show the true you yeah but also because i know the difference in the impact and the inspiration that people will take from this episode yeah and it, it's amazing to broadcast just all the amazing things you're doing and it's not just to oh, I'm going to go play in a charity game and get thousands of followers and yeah, feel famous. No. It's a, uh, no. no, I'm doing this for yeah. charity, for the greater good. Yeah. And, and for me, it's, I look back at, I look back at this year and I look at everything I've been through, right? And there's so many things that have stuck out in my mind about how people have acted with me and how I've acted to people and how I've probably let people down and, you know, friends that were with me during it all, I've almost cut contact with because they might not know how to talk to me and I've probably pushed them away by by being so quiet. 
And, you know, that's a massive regret for me. And I think communication has been the hardest thing for me during all this. I remember the day after mum died, it was my nephew's birthday. And I went into Tesco's and other supermarkets are available. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I went in there and I saw three or four people I knew. They all looked at me and you could just tell they just wore the other way. They just wore the other way. And because they don't they don't need to come up with something magical, right? They just need yeah. to go, sorry for your loss. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Or even just come up to me and just talk about anything else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's what have you been up to this week? Or, you Do know? you know what though? I, do, I don't blame them at all. I don't blame them at all. Because to be fair, some people just don't know what to say to you. Yeah. They don't, because what do you say to a young lad whose mum's just died? There's not a lot you can say. What do you say? Like, it's, it's mad. But sometimes like, the best thing is presence. Yeah. They uh, don't have to say anything at all. It's just being there for that person. Yeah. And uh, don't get me wrong. At the minute, I have probably got about 140 unread messages on WhatsApp. I've probably got about 20 DMs I haven't replied to. And that's not me going, oh, look, I'm so probably a lot of it. It's just group chats and rubbish. But in there are people that I haven't replied to and that I struggle to build myself to have a conversation with someone yeah, because I can't talk. I really struggle to talk about mum. Well, I hope like, you coming on here today will give you that, not only strength, but that sort of, like I said, start of your journey where you can start to slowly open up more. I feel a little bit in autopilot. I'm trying, yeah, it feels like, because I've got a mic in front of me and a camera, it does feel a little bit, I'm just being honest with people, I feel a little bit in autopilot and maybe my emotion hasn't come out the way it would if I had no cameras and you know or a microphone in front of me but maybe not I'm trying to be as as honest there's literally no prep I've come into this with no prep no notes no nothing not even thinking about the questions he's asking me and I've just tried to give a real answer and I think you've done an amazing job at that so thank you very much for everything you've said today and everything that you've shared because I know that this episode is going to make a massive impact and give a lot of inspiration for people out there and I really do hope that it will help one other person out there, which I'm sure it will. Yeah, uh, for me, and I think, I don't know how much longer you want to go, but it it's just, I'm a 28-year-old lad who plays football, who coaches, who think, you know, a lot of people will be like, look at socials, this life's going so well. I'm in suits here, I'm at events there, I'm doing this there. But trust me, a lot of that's fake. A lot of that's not real. And a lot of it, there's a lot of dark, po you know, things that um, I'm finding life really, really tough. And because of losing my mum. And I've had people struggle to talk to me. But the one thing I will say is you need to try and talk to people. I'm not doing it, okay? And I know that I should. So don't do what I'm doing right now. Please just try and talk to someone, no matter what. Even take the grief and the, the loss of my mum out of it. If you're struggling mentally or, or whatever it is, or even if you're in the same boat as me, like talking does help. It's also a trigger because you might get emotional talk about it and that's scary. And I'm still shutting it off in my brain. Like I said, I still believe that she's coming home. I do. And that's heartbreaking. I still believe she's coming home. And it's Christmas coming up tough time of year and she made christmas so special and i'm like i truly believe that she's coming out i've made so many mistakes this year like the way i've 
treated people, the way I've not replied to people, the, you know, the, the things I've done, uh, stupid things I've done, you know, mistakes. And that's, you know, I've made mistakes and random other mistakes in the past. And everyone does because we're human. But like... And this is also part of your journey. It is part of my journey. And I, and I, I am struggling to find out what my purpose is right now. It because, might not come with the next week, month, year. But yeah. I believe you'll find what that purpose is and you'll discover it because of who you are. Ah. I hope so. I, I, I hope so. And le- but if if I don't, and if you know, it will something will. You know, like I said, I'm going to wake up every day, and I'm going to keep going every day because what's the alternative? Just giving up? No, you can't do that. So you, you can't sit and dwell. And it like it's fine to hurt. It's fine to be sad. But you've still got a. You have an opportunity every day to wake up and be grateful. Yeah, and I, I think what summed it up perfectly was this is how I'm feeling about mum right at the minute and. I literally shared it today on my Instagram story. And this is how I feel. And I thought, you know what? There's no better way to sort of almost like finish off or whatever it is. And I thought, I read it. It's just perfect. It was somewhere between then and now. It went from mum, stop telling me what to do to mum, please tell me what to do. Somewhere between then and now, it went from mum, you don't understand to mum, I don't understand. Somewhere between then and now, it went from mum, stop asking me so many questions to mum, I have so many questions. Somewhere between then and now, it went from mum, leave me alone to mum, never leave my side. And it's somewhere between then and now, I realised the other half of my heart was always the person who created it in the first place. And like for me, it just sums up perfectly. I, I miss her more every single day. And it's so tough. It's go and tell that person you love that you love them. If you've got someone around you right now that you love, give them a hug. Tell them how much you they mean to you because you just never know when that last opportunity will be. So if you can take anything away from today, it's that. 100%. Thank you, George. No worries. <laughs>